Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm... Guys, uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to go ahead and, and take a moment here uh, before we really get into things. You know, I'm, I'm sure Britton's got his witty jokes lined up and he's ready to no. go. Mm. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, have, have some time to reflect on the fact that this is a, a momentous um, day, a momentous week... Uh, year even, um, but not as momentous as next year, because the Snyder Cut is coming. I mean, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> More like Snyder Cut it out. Hey guys, it's Britain. Ooh, back on the podcast. Burn. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Zach's back. Um. He's he's <laughs> he's doing it again. Back in a I'm major actually- way. He, he, they, they okay. finally gave him. They, they wait, hang on. They gave him the big movie. They said, Zach, do you think you've earned the big movie back? <laughs> yeah, I think I can do it. Are you gonna be good, Zach? Yeah, I'm gonna take care of it. I'm not gonna lose it. Are you sure we 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 can't call CC's Pizza again are, and say that you, you lost you lost our movie there? <laughs> are you gonna feed it every day? Yeah, I'm gonna feed it every day. With like. Cool. If you let Protein it die, powder. you bury it yourself. <laughs> okay, well you can have your big movie. So Zach is he's he's doing it. He's uh, I just want He got all the I footage. He put Jar Jar in it. We're, we're all ready. <laughs> I just want to say this does relate to Toy Story, I swear. When when it was announced that he was doing his little Man of Steel commentary and everybody was like, "Oh, they're going to be he's going to announce the, the Snyder mm-hmm. cut like the, the whole the whole thing." I, I posted to our group chat the news that that was happening and immediately followed it with the gif of Rex in the first movie going, he's <laughs> at it again! <laughs> Guys, what are you most looking forward to seeing in the Snyder Cut that, that Zach uh, that wasn't ready? But now, I mean, it's a couple years later. There's new technology. Just, just you know, cinema, man. Wow, for real. Real cinema. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a lot of sepia-toned slow-mo like gravel coming up off the street sure like it's a, like it's a um, death stranding i feel um, we should get <laughs> i feel we should get off this uh but to be clear i think we are all actually excited about this well <laughs> it's gonna be a train wreck and i'm gonna love every um, second of it and also it's gonna I just, be I, it's gonna, I'm gonna be I'm gonna, justice i'm gonna uh crash and burn this this uh gag here by ending it on a serious note he's zack snyder has been in during the pandemic posting a lot of like resources for mental health and things like that very sweet um yes there you know there's a history there that we've we've talked about before yes uh, there sweet, there is and, a human and, behind this meme that yes i do and say, and right. as as someone who is constantly criticizing warner brothers for every single move that they make mm-hmm. they made they made the right call here i yeah. think I am, yes, I'm, it, yeah, it's a sweet thing, and it's much more important than the movies he makes. His, yes, his activism I'm, in this is very important. So, yes, and absolutely, I'm, yeah, I'm yes. genuinely Good. happy for the fans of BVS and even Justice League who are like genuinely like they they want to see this vision. And I'm like, go for it. Yeah, let's. And let's I get am it. happy. Let's get it out here. And there is a part of me that is happy for Snyder that he. It was obviously not. Yeah, it, it was his choice to leave, but it was not. It was just a horrible reason that he had to leave. And so it's nice that he's like, hey, I still get to come back and do the thing that I intended to do in the first place. Like, yeah. I hope, I, I think that says nice things about where he is. And yes, that's very, yeah. that's very I, good. I, I agree. I hope it's 
hopefully nicely cathartic for everyone that has some emotional investment in it. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, now that we've talked about the Snyder Cut for uh, five minutes, we should probably address the fact that this episode is going to cover two movies. Um, there were technical back. difficulties. We're uh, at it again! <laughs> Long-time fans will be aware of the fact that this uh, also happened to the third and fourth Transformers movies. Um, so it's it's time is a flat circle. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it really just feels like, like we're back home. Yeah, I mean, both are movie franchises about toys. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, yeah, basically recorded the, the episode for the third one. It uh, ultimately did not work, and we decided, you know what? We're just going to review both of them because we are too lazy to redo that entire episode, and we thought it would not be as fun. Um, so yeah, we'll be hopefully spending uh, still a, a solid podcast length amount of time on both movies. Um, but we also have decided after watching both of the movies that they connect pretty well in ways, and it was a, a convenient set of movies to combine into an episode. So without further yeah, ado. Our first movie is Toy Story 3. Alex, scores and stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> thanks thanks for that, that wonderful, clean handoff there. <laughs> I just kind of threw it at you. And, uh, just kind of supposed to tossed it. it at my head when I wasn't looking. Correct. Toy Story 3, directed by Lee Unkrich from 2010. It has a 98% critic score and an 89% audience score. To be clear, do you want to use your head? <laughs> for this movie i don't think so <laughs> no you gotta use your heart man that's true um who's going first with the best and the worst i i, I can go ahead and go um all right it's weird just having already had a conversation about toy story 3 so i'm yep. trying to trying to rethink my steps here a bit um, I'm I'm kind of going against the grain a bit, just I, 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 just so everybody's kind of clear on this. Toy Story three is a very good movie. I'm not in love with it like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Toy Story four is probably not as good of a movie, but I absolutely adore it. Sure. Um, and we can try and get into why that is. I don't know if I will be adequate. You know, if I'll be able to. You know explain myself well enough but there it is uh sure. going, i'm subverting your expectations <laughs> um so in terms of the best thing I, I think spoilers for toy story 4 the best thing about that movie is also my best thing about toy story 3 and that's mm -hmm. just the ending um sure. <laughs> uh i don't know that that, that was for me toy story 3 has I was, at least on this go-round, I wasn't as emotionally invested in, in the first two acts as I thought I would be. And I thought it really picked up in the third act, and then it really hit home for the end. I thought the ending really picked it up for me. Um, just the fact that Andy gets one last time to, to play with all the toys, and then they, they, they kind of have a cathartic final playtime with him, and then they're left with, with a wonderful new owner. Mm -hmm. um, and all that's just really touching. Um Yes, it is playing on your nostalgia and your emotions, but hey, it works. So, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Um, I guess in terms of a worse thing, and it's going to be weird 
explaining myself on this versus Toy Story 4. Um, I think the movie has a lot of redundant plot elements compared to the first two movies, and that was kind of annoying me a little bit. Um, I think Lotso ultimately is different enough from, from Stinky Pete, but in terms of just like... A lot of this stuff is just aesthetics without yep. kind of digging in deeper to, to figure out, like, why, why they're there and, like, plot functions and stuff. But you have, like, th- this elderly toy who, who talks really nicely and sweetly and he, he almost comes off like a really nice grandfather figure, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And he even has a walking cane. Um, and then ultimately he turns out to be the bad guy and that's a twist. Um, we also have Buzz... Um, once again, becoming the the factory straight out of the box version of himself, which we've already had to deal with a couple of times. Um, so there were there were just a few things like that throughout that were kind of bothering me a bit in terms of like, can we make this a bit more fresh? Yeah. So yeah, I, once again, I still think it's a very good movie. It just didn't hit me as hard as I wish it did. Yeah, well, uh, I think we'll get into the uh, comparisons to the last two movies because I think there's some that are are definitely they're treading on familiar ground, but I do think there's also a lot there in terms of what's what they're trying to do with it. Um, it makes it a lot more effective than necessarily it was in the last one. Uh, this movie for me might be my favorite of the series. I'll I'll make that call at the end of the the podcast here. Um, but like, I I had not watched it since I think it came out in theaters, uh, in until watching it just the other day, and I found it just incredibly effective. I thought it was very creative. Um, I'll go ahead and do my best and worst thing if you're okay with that, Britain. Yeah, go for it. Shove you out. Um, my best thing about this is I think just how creative it is with the premise after two movies <laughs> like yeah i don't think that's something i can say about a lot of third movies especially ones where the first two are already beloved um i just thought that the number of things this does with like the toys in terms of um sunny side and having a a daycare also be kind of a retirement home for toys yeah i think that's brilliant that's that's a really fun thing um there's all sorts of fun stuff they do in the daycare and like they have a gambling ring and a vending machine <laughs> uh there's just all sorts of little small things uh that i think are great creative touches um and the entire premise of or the entire exploration of small children and how they treat toys and uh, the daycare obviously using lots of using these new toys as kind of fodder for the small children um all of that i just thought was really fascinating and it expands and everything um i love uh i think it's richard kind shows up as a, a bookworm yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah. His and, third pixar movie yes and his uh his purpose is to find instruction manuals for toys and figure out how to basically blackmail and or break them uh, and that's how we get the factory reset buzz and that is i think just a brilliant idea in terms mm-hmm. of having a buzz get set to demo mode i do agree and we'll talk about some of the similarities with the last movie but uh there's a lot of really really fun stuff in this movie and it was constantly i was constantly entertained by how creative they were getting with that um obviously with lotso as well 
we get into the idea of what happens if a toy gets lost and his parent, the kid's parents just like replace him and say, Oh, Hey, we mm-hmm. found your toy. <laughs> like what, what, what's the, the traumatic effect on the toy, I guess. Um, and of course the overall idea of the movie is what happens when a kid gets too old for his toys and has to move on. Um, it, it just does so many things that I find really fascinating and that I am amazed, both amazed that they were able to do that this far into the franchise and this long after the first movie came out. And I'm also really glad they waited to make this movie until they felt yes. like they had something worth saying. Um, because it really is a movie for the kids who are growing up having are, are now becoming grown ups, I should say, um, having watched the first two movies as kids. Uh, it's yeah, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I don't know if I have a worse thing. Really, I think I came up with one in the uh, the podcast that no longer exists. <laughs> um, but honestly, I don't. Uh... Oh, you know what it was? Um, I do think there's some kind of juvenile humor in here. Sure, sure. sure. That eh, uh, there's there's a joke about Lincoln Logs in a sandbox. As yeah. like uh, <clears throat> there's a, there's just a couple of things where I was like. This is not quite as subtle or, or creative as the first two movies. Um, and it's also not... It's not really appealing to the adults or the kids, I feel like. Uh, mm. I don't know. There, there's just a couple of jokes, but by and large, that's the only real thing I noticed that bothered me. Yeah, and I, and I wonder if those kinds of jokes were almost like... I mean, I, I don't know the production of the movie, of course, but I, I wonder if they were like really digging into the depth of it and the maturity of the story. And they went, Oh, there are going to be like kids in the audience yeah. who haven't seen the first. Yeah. Let's throw in some like easy <laughs> and yeah. some jokes that like some things in here that aren't about like these existential things. <laughs> we have yes. to lull them into a false sense of security before they believe that all the main characters are going to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so with that, um, my worst thing is I, I, I've said before on the podcast, uh, I, I was that generation that saw the first movie when he was seven and the second when he was 11. I was right there with Andy. I was, I was a little bit older than Andy, I think in the, in for the third movie, but still I was Just in that basic age bracket. And so for me, I'll start with my worst thing. Cause it's really pretty minor is that I feel like this is a movie geared very much towards getting to the end. I think it's, kind of similar to Avengers Endgame in the sense that both movies, the audience went in going, I want to see the whole thing. I want to see the whole adventure, but I know there's something at the end and there's, there's going to be something big and I want to see what that is. And I want to see how they get there. And mm-hmm. the movie is built so much around that catharsis at the end. And I feel like this movie it shambles a little bit. It, 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 I mean, I love it so much, but I think there's some, I mean, shambling is the best word, you know, it's well, maybe a little clunky here and there with some, sure. some plotting and, uh, you know, nothing horrible, but I noticed, I feel like that first movie is just, it's just barreling down a track in just per, it's just perfect. You know, that, yeah. that Toy Story 1 script is just so consistent and literally from the start to the finish, it is clear. And this yeah. one I think shambles a little bit. My best thing about it is going to be the overall maturity of the movie. Um, both in the sense that it has the gall to, uh, yes, almost kill our beloved heroes, 
but also to make a movie that is about escaping a prison cult, mm-hmm. which is crazy <laughs> that I'm watching Toy Story 3 and being like, this is like the Wicker Man. And this is <laughs> because, of course, I mean, the, the prison element is very clear when Lotso talks about the guards or they talk, they talk about Lotso having trucks guarding things and their spotlights and the guard monkey and all this other kind of stuff. Giant baby. Um, giant baby. Big baby. <laughs> as, um, as is typical with prison cults. Right. There's always a big baby. Um, but uh, the, when, when we realized that Lotso is this kindly leader who's twisting everybody and saying things like, oh, if you just learn our ways, there's no reason you can't fit in. I'm like, I've seen Midsommar. I know what, I, I know what this is. <laughs> um, and, but, but all the way from that to the fact that this movie, and, I, and I've talked about how the, the Toy Story movies are, are all kinds of metaphors for a child growing up. Woody is an adult. He's always been a grown-up. But it's very much, and we can, I'll, I'll be able to complete this when we talk about the fourth one. It is kind of about life and the arc that a human life takes. Yep. That when you're young, you have to learn to share, you know? And when you're, you get a little bit older, in, like in Toy Story 2, you kind of realize, oh, things are starting to change, but there's going to be big changes later. And I just want to stay here where it's safe. And that's what the allure that Woody feels is... If I stay with Andy, if I keep moving forward, there's going to be change and loss, and that's very scary. But if I go to this museum, everything will stay still, and I won't lose anything, and it's just preserved, which is something that a lot of people to one degree or another deal with when they're growing up. And then Toy Story 3 says just – it's very, very – it's like the best kind of kindness because it doesn't shy away from the, the, the sadness of it. Yeah, it's not cynical. It's not mean, but it does kind of sit that audience down and say, "You're growing up. You're getting older. That means change, and right. change is good. Change is scary. That means loss. That means giving up. Not giving up. But it means giving away. But also, it doesn't just necessarily it can mean giving up, right? And it doesn't <laughs> giving away doesn't have to mean you throw your toys in the attic." Or you throw them in the trash. It can mean yep. you share them and you pass them on. And that's such a metaphor. <laughs> and that Woody has to learn to let go of Andy. And that he has to learn, like, that's this was beautiful and it will always be beautiful, but now it's time for it to end. Yep. And that's something that a lot of us have to embrace in some form in our lives. And I found that very powerful when I saw it in theaters. And I found it in a very different way powerful now as a 31 year old person um i just think it is very very bold of this movie to not give us the type of happy ending you would think the happy ending isn't andy takes them all to college the happy ending is no they go to the next step and that's that's a much more attainable thing people complain about you know movies aren't realistic you know they don't prepare you for a bad life's gonna be i'm like that's not the stop <laughs> i'm i'm sorry boba fett isn't mean enough for your tastes but like calm down but but this is a movie that's like things are hard but you're gonna be okay and i just i find that so beautiful and comforting yeah i i really appreciate the the fact that this movie sticks with the promise that the end of the the second film made where it's like yeah you know we're gonna we're gonna be with Andy to the to the the bitter end, and you know mm-hmm. what happens when you reach that bitter end? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you, um, 
you mentioned how it's it's basically a metaphor for uh i mean it's not just a metaphor andy is actually sharing his toys uh right. with bonnie which is fascinating because we talked about the fact that the first movie is really it's it's about woody learning to share andy with buzz oh, and yeah. also the movie that movie is very subtle in the fact that it doesn't actually line something up and say hey kids this is why you should share like it's a very mm-hmm. hu- it's a very human adult take on sharing <laughs> i guess mm-hmm. and yeah. what jealousy means um where this one we do come around full circle and andy is sharing his toys and that's like a plot in the movie and it also does not feel like the movie's telling kids hey kids this is why you should share it's like oh hey this is something that you have to be prepared for is the fact that uh you know you're you're you can't always like grow up with your toys you're gonna move on from your toys and and that's okay and like change is different I also, just as you said that, I realized throughout the movie, Molly is teasingly asking Andy, can I have your room? Can I have this? Can I have this? Mm-hmm. And he keeps telling her no. And it's always played off as like a joke that the the, the, the kid sister is like yeah. teasing her brother. And he's like, no, you can't have my stuff. But then at the end, it is about him giving somebody else. Yeah. Like it is him saying yes to giving something away and something much more personal. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a well, it's a it's a beautiful thing. I think there's a lot of good connections, especially with Toy Story 1, because, I mean, that's the other thing, is that Toy Story 1 is set in the backdrop of a move, which mm-hmm. we talked about. That's that's a big thing for kids. That's that's changed. Again, that's yeah. scary. Um, and we don't really focus on how Andy feels about this move, other than, you know, we see his mom, he's, he's taken him, or she's taken him out to... Uh, get some pizza and like, it's obviously trying to cheer him up a little bit, trying to throw his birthday party before he moves, gets him a buzz light year, all that good stuff. And we never really address the fact that this is probably very scary for Andy. And we don't really have to, that it's just there in the background. And we understand kind of just immediately the stakes of the fact that why these toys are so important to Andy and why it's so important that Woody and Buzz get back to Andy. And we don't have to ever say, oh, he's worried about moving. We can just have that be a set piece. And the same thing here where Andy's going off to college. And that's, again, a a big, scary thing that is like the next step for kids growing up. And he has to deal with that. But again, we never really see him like wrestling with that or afraid of that necessarily. But we do get a lot of the conversation about this with uh, the toys and kind of how they're deciding, oh, do we need to go back to him and stay in his attic? What do we do? Um, it's just interesting how they're both very much set against that a backdrop of like, oh, this is a major life event, but we're yeah. not focusing on that because we know you're going to pick up on that. Um, it's a yeah. very interesting subtle way of kind of weaving that in. And I wonder, and this isn't me trying to like make the movie dark or anything. We don't know where his dad is or what the situation mm-hmm. is with that. And and you don't have to. I, I really like that this movie, that the, this franchise never makes a thing out of a single parent house. Yep. This is like, this is where they live. It's the family, everything. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. But like, you, we don't know, like you said about, is the moving, are they moving because of a divorce or something? I mean, we don't know. And and we don't have to. Like, that's not necessary. Yep. For, I know there's some theories out there that Woody belonged to his dad and that's like why he's so important to Andy and all this stuff. But... I, I think you can just have the family as they are, and that's enough for the story. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. Because two, which is, I think, of these four movies, easily the most, this is just, this is an adventure we go on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in it. It's very substantial, but it is the closest to just an adventure. And that that's set against the backdrop of Andy's at camp. <laughs> you know, that one's a yep. little softer of a, of a backdrop, whereas the others are all uh, up against much bigger things. Alex, do you have something you'd like to share? <laughs> Could you read your note for the whole class, please? <laughs> I was just writing down notes of things I like about Toy Story 4 in lieu of our conversation <laughs> about Toy Story 4. <laughs> there you go. Well, well, maybe you can show that to Father Flynn. Go down to the, to the principal's <laughs> office. That's right. This is here come the sequels. Wait, that's I just lit a Catholic rockets explode. Movie school. On on a, on a lighter note, having discussed all all of this, what did you guys think of the host of new characters in this movie? Because we oh boy, we got a ton of them. Um, I well the the thing is most of the new characters outside of really like Ken and. Bonnie's toys, who I think are ultimately underutilized in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they're mostly just villains, so they're just kind of one-off characters. Sure. Um, I mean, they're a lot of fun. Like, I like the... The, um, the designs are wonderful. I think Whoopi Goldberg's, like, the octopus character. Yep. Yeah, Stretch, yeah. Yeah. So this is some like, interesting uh, toys. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, they I, they didn't leave much of an impression on me. At least sure. in terms of the, the actual toys at, at the... Uh, the play. The well, I think the care center. The one um, big standout is Michael Keaton as Ken. Yes, yes. Because he's brilliant. I had not realized I was I was looking this up because I was thinking about cast in terms of three and four. Um, Michael Keaton really like 2010. He was in this and he was in the other guys. Um, yeah. Oh wow. And before that, he's really not. In, at least he wasn't in anything. I looked through and he he was in a bunch of stuff, but he was not in anything yeah. I recognized. I don't know if that was. More independent films. It was just bad film selection. I don't really know yeah. what that journey was. Um, he was in Jackie Brown, apparently, which I have not sure, seen. Sure, um, and he which was is in, like the late nineties. <laughs> yes, and he was in Cars as uh, yeah, chicks, chick Hicks. You know, know that, he was yeah. in Herbie Fully Loaded. That as iconic Lindsay Lohan's father. That iconic villain, Chick Hicks. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, he he was in just like a bunch of random stuff from between Batman Returns and, uh, you know, obviously quite a while ago. So like, there yeah. was a while there where he was really not like a name, and I feel like this, um, at least maybe put him back in the Hollywood sphere um, because after obviously after this you get Birdman, um, uh-huh. you get which is probably what really put him back in the Hollywood sphere. Definitely, yeah, um, Birdman, yeah. <laughs> Birdman, Spotlight, The Founder. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, he's, you know, making the transition to that. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was fascinating because I had not realized that, that this was like, oh, wait, he's still around. Yeah. <laughs> Let's cast him in things. And he's so funny in this because he doesn't have a very distinct voice in the way that somebody like Richard Kind um, mm-hmm. does, where you're like, oh, that's Richard Kind. I know that voice. But with Michael Keaton, that vo- like knowing finding out that it's Michael Keaton makes it even funnier like ken is such a funny character yes. anyway um 
But Michael Keaton, he's just does such a great job. Like right from when he goes far out and like does the elevator mm-hmm. down, all the stuff with the wardrobe changes, and like I just think he was a delightful character, and I really like that um, he and Barbie are important in the story, but they neatly remove them from the core group when when Woody and gang go to the dump, go yep. to the the landfill because having Barbie and Ken there, it, they don't. As great as they are, that would they wouldn't have lent the same amount of emotion. Yes, we we need that group that we we buy into the the fear that they're going to die. We need that to just be our core heroes. Yeah, and Barbie and Ken wouldn't have supplied that as much. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other big one is is Ned Beatty as Lotso, and I think Ned Beatty is right. just marvelous in this. I think he does yes. such a great job. Yes, um, he is very similar to Stinky Pete, and I think that. We get like a deeper, better version of him in this movie. Like Stinky yes. Pete's kind of the preview, right? Well, we get, we get. I was just gonna say we get an exploration of uh, Prospector and also Jesse and yeah, their perspectives and kind of combining those where you get this this toy that's very bitter about having lost his child and having been lost and replaced and uh, not being loved. So it's not just someone. Where the prospector was someone who was kind of just stuck away and, you know, did not ever really get to be loved because he was just a toy that was bad. <laughs> uh, where this was very much, oh, he's he's uh, you know this this cutty, cu- cuttable, cuddly <laughs> um, bear that this this child loved and then proceeded to lose and now Lotso feels like. He can never be loved by a child again. He's this bitter, old, horrible man bear because uh, <laughs> he he had that and lost it as opposed to just never having it at all. Um, so it's an interesting variation on that, I would say. Two thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I did start to think about, and this is kind of w- with the uh, the failed podcast that, <laughs> that will never be found. Um, I did start to wonder about the significance of Lotso being a... a stuffed bear mm-hmm. because I, I think kind of maybe this isn't universal but I would think like the most generic toy you could think of is a stuffed bear for a child yeah. and I know he he's like he's scented he's pink but I, I wonder if they were trying to go for something with that in terms of like no you because I, I really like the line where Woody goes no you were the one that was replaced when when he's yeah. he's going on his long monologue about how, how the world hates all all toys and they're they're all expendable. Yeah. <laughs> um, my other thought is, I do wonder a bit if they should have put Jesse more at the forefront as a thematic counterpoint to Lotso, yeah. based on what you're saying, because it, it's almost like a, a fork in the road where Lotso made one choice and Jesse made made the other. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know ultimately it's like the movie's about Woody's relationship with Andy and, and being willing to let him go. So probably don't want to put Jesse too much at the forefront because the, the movie is about Woody, yeah. but you know, no, I think that is fair. I think that would be interesting. Um, I think, yeah, because basically we, the most we get in terms of developing him is the relationship with, uh, the clown, <laughs> Whose name I can't remember. Chuckles. Who is not the <laughs> phone car. Yes, we did discuss this, is that um, there are two very similar characters in the clown and the phone car who are both like very <laughs> familiar with Lotso and are these like 
cuddly, uh, smiley. Maybe not smiley. The clown's frowning most of the time. But and these... both serve the sole purpose of giving exposition. <laughs> yes, yes. They're very uh, good at it, but that's their purpose. Yeah, and well, and the I guess what I'm saying is they're both supposed to be like, oh, you look at it and it's like, oh, this is a silly toy, and then they talk and it's this gruff old man who's right. seen things. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, I remember you don't when, know when like I do. Yeah, when I saw the movie, I remember when Chuckles showed up. I remember there was like laughing, laughter in the theater, not meanly because they go, yeah, that's Chuckles. And then you see a, this like clown with this cartoonish <laughs> frown on his face and he went, yeah, I know lots. So, and I was like, oh, that's <laughs> funny. And then people were not laughing anymore when you got this horrible story of like lots. So walking up to the house and he's covered in rain and like, mm-hmm. then he sees that he's been replaced and he starts yelling at big baby and he just becomes so bitter. And then like they hop a ride, get a ride on the pizza planet truck. They fall off and Lotso breaks his leg, I guess, and Big Big Baby yeah. gets knocked in the head, and it's it's yeah. just like really deep. Also, I, uh, you mentioned the significance of it being a bear. Um, Ursa Major, uh, the the constellation of the large bear, uh, comes from the myth of Zeus and Callisto, which is a myth of love and jealousy. So <laughs> I don't know. So I think this we, movie is smarter than I'm giving it credit for. What are we telling <laughs> children when we give them teddy bears? That's uh, I would like to <laughs> explain. We're saying, hey, theory. don't kill a bear because it might be your mom that Zeus turned into a bear to hide <laughs> her from his <laughs> wife. Lotso <laughs> is actually uh, Jesse's original owner. <laughs> see, see exactly. I would have said the original advice would be never put your stuffed bear on a pizza planet truck. Sure. <laughs> Emily, I think that's, I think Emily that's didn't become asterisk. Andy's mom. Emily became a teddy bear. <laughs> yep. Um, it would have been great if in The Revenant, uh, after the big bear fight, DiCaprio was like... His blood smelled like strawberries. And then just kept... <laughs> I haven't seen The Revenant. Um, so maybe he does say that. Uh, I think he does. I think you're right. Yeah, come on. No, that's what he says uh, after he shoves himself inside of a dead horse carcass. Sure. They're, they smell worse on the inside. Dead and um, carcass are redundant anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned, Alex, the Bonnie's toys. I do feel they're underutilized. What great characters. Yes. Mostly what, because... Man. You know, we've talked about how much we like Timothy Dalton yep. in the James yeah, Bond movies. Yeah, great. I, what, any opportunity to get more Timothy Dalton, I think, is is an opportunity worth watched, taking. Have you watched, like, the Toy Story tunes, like all the little shorts that they made in between two and three, or three and four? No, I haven't. Because a lot of those, I think a lot of them are on Disney+, Plus, if not all. Those are about, like, life at Bonnie's. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think, or I think many of them are. I've never so. explored those mostly because I I've was a bit hesitant. I was yeah, worried no, that they would same. be kind of cheap, just kind of knockoffs. Yeah. Disney Channel. Like junk marketing products they can throw out. Maybe sure. they didn't even get the original voice cast, but it sounds like they do. I maybe I know that um the character Forky, he gets his own stretch of like educational shorts which are very funny and there's one with mr prickle pants i'm not sure if it's timothy dalton or not but it's very funny okay. um that actually i think in that short they might answer they might be able to quantitatively define what art is <laughs> Seems good. which is kind of amazing that like i was watching and i went that you might have just done that forky i, I... <laughs> 
I haven't watched those, but I, I I did watch or watch all of those, but I did watch one that was um, it's it's Bo Peep being a lampshade. Oh, um, okay. I did. This was a little while ago, so I don't remember exactly, but I know that there's uh. There's a couple of interesting ones taking focuses on the characters, but I do agree. I wish they were in more of this movie and also the next movie, which we'll talk about. Um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Well, because you've got, however, you've got Kristen. I, I do want to say it was worth it to get the end credit sequence with with Mr. Pricklepants doing Shakespeare, doing Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> yes. and then the the alien, one of the 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 mm-hmm. uh, Romeo, Romeo. You know, saved our lives. We were eternally grateful. One of the Pizza Planet aliens um, is playing Juliet. Yes. That, and then well, also yeah. Miss or uh, Buttercup, who's played by Jeff Garland, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is delightful. Uh, it says that uh, they're going to do Cats next season, so <laughs> I mean that's always a plus. Yep. When I love I how I, I, we I just, were introduced to them. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say I, I do wonder about the storytelling possibilities if they decided to come back with Woody to try and rescue the other toys. I know that. Yeah. You'd have to you'd have to like drastically change things because it wouldn't make sense for them to do that because they are Bonnie's toys. Why would yes. they leave for toys they have no relationship with? Um, I don't know. Well, and you've also got like you, you got Kristen Shawl as yes. as Trixie, the the yes. the Triceratops, the of of the same make as Rex, mm-hmm. and like Bonnie Hunt, who I just love so much. She's one of the most likable people in in art. Uh, as Dolly, who's sort of that, their version of Woody. She's like their leader. Um, and the little peas in a pod who are so cute. Mm-hmm. And maybe another uh, runner-up for my best thing, she has a Totoro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'd forgotten about that. Um, and then when I rewatch it, I'd like pause it. It's like bury my face in my hands. Like, <laughs> they... She has a Totoro. It's it's such a great oh. collection of. I think we talked about this on the the lost episode. Um, it's a great collection of just like basically it doesn't. I, I think Alex, you may have made the point. It doesn't feel like they uh, are counterparts. Yeah. It doesn't yes. feel like they're. I, I said this in our lost episode. Um, Bonnie's toys. It, it's not. They're not analogous with with Andy's toys. They're very distinct sets of characters. Yeah, it's yeah. not like we have the Woody proxy and Bonnie's group. They're all yeah, they the, different. Yeah, the they only one the, is uh, is Trixie and Rex, and then yeah. like everyone else is just. It's like oh, this is like a collection of toys this kid would have. Yeah, and they and even Trixie may just because I remember in the first movie, uh, uh, Rex is like maybe it'll be another dinosaur, a leaf eater this time, <laughs> and then there is a leaf eater. <laughs> So like maybe it's just there's that. I also really like how when Woody first, when Bonnie's first playing with Woody, and and everyone and they're at the tea party, he's like, "Where are we?" And uh, Trixie says, "Well, we're either in a cafe in Paris or a coffee shop in New Jersey." Mm-hmm. And Jeff Garland <laughs> goes, "We do a lot of improv here. Stay loose, have fun, you'll be good." <laughs> like it's I love so that they that they had this approach of like we're actors we play parts you know we're all just kind of like yeah that's the deal there's a really great joke with prickle pants in the fourth one um yeah i i love that whole crew and i i also wish we could have gotten more of them but i i agree i mean it, I, I don't know how to work them in in a way that doesn't disrupt where that where the movie's going you either then spend too yeah. much time away from our main group toy 3 or you 
spend or, or like you said, then you bring them in to help save the toys. But then how do they go into the incinerator? Do they go back? Yeah, well, that? I yeah. think that, that's the other point, because we, we talked about how, like, it makes sense for Ken and Barbie to not be present there. Yeah. So then you'd have to write out Bonnie's toys at that point as well. Yeah. In order for well, it right. to be as kind of logical. As the possible. other thing there, too, is that because of the way it's set up, you have an out for uh, the toys at the end that you don't necessarily see coming. Um, you've probably figured it out by the end, but it's still, it's like, oh, he can he can take them to Bonnie's. Like, yeah. it, it all clicks very, very quickly when you realize, oh, that's the whole point, is that Woody visited Bonnie's house because he got to be played with for the first time and remembered how lovely that was, and, like, he got to see the addresses specifically of his house and Andy's house, and, uh, you know, they set up the toys helping him out, and they set up how just nice these toys are, and, and like, he immediately has a good rapport with them. Uh, and so then when it comes back at the end, it's like, oh, of course this is what they would do. Like, that makes so much sense. Uh, and so I feel like if you had them in too much of the movie, that would be more obvious. Whereas in this, it just feels like, oh, that was a little excursion, Woody had. And then yeah. you don't realize until the very end that that's a, that's a great little out. Um, yeah. So. I, um, talking of the toys present at the end, uh, so, so this movie on the Flophouse podcast, they, in one episode, somehow Toy Story 3 came up in conversation and they talked about how completely they bought into the possibility that the toys were going to die. Um, mm-hmm. Elliot Kalin specifically was saying, like, I genuinely could have seen the ending of this movie being that these toys get melted down and rebuilt into new toys or something. And I'm, I, it's so impressive uh, that – because, you know, especially when you watch a lot of movies – you you start to see like okay I kind of think I see what they're setting up and what they're gonna do and you hear the word predictable thrown around a lot as a pejorative I don't think predictability is such a bad thing it depends on like how well the thing is executed yeah but the Toy Story three managed to so completely con- or not convince me but I was genuinely like what this is taking a long time why haven't why aren't they saved yet are they <laughs> they're really doing this like it, they do such a good job of that which makes like they, and they do such a great job of setting up, like, the piece of planet aliens get there, and they're always saying, you have saved our lives, you're eternally grateful. Yeah. And then they go towards the claw, which, of course, we all remember, they you go towards the big crane, and then they get swept up by the big bulldozer. I remember, mm-hmm. Alex, in the last episode, you said that you thought they just got crushed, <laughs> like they were just dead now. No, the, the way it's shot, it's it's almost like like something out of Saving Private Ryan where they're like on the beaches and somebody's yeah. like, I'm going to get up and go. And like they start to get up and oh, are yeah. immediately shot in the head. Yeah. Like I had that kind of visceral reaction where I'm like, <laughs> did we just kill off the, yeah. the Pizza Planet aliens? Are we? Oh, oh, oh yeah. God. M- are we just Jim picking off characters for the rest of the yeah. movie? And then, but then when you, so, and you do completely forget about the Peace Planet aliens because you're so in this, this moment with the toys and they're holding hands and just, oh my God. But then the claw comes down and the aliens save them. And it's so amazing. Like, it's just yes. such an amazing, like transcendent moment. Well, it, you uh. mentioned, um, in game earlier in terms of a movie that's like mm-hmm. barreling towards the conclusion, uh, that is, I mean, these are, I think, the the only two movies that I've ever uh, felt this way about, because uh, that one does, I think, a very similar thing in terms of having uh, you kind of, uh, having kind of a sleight of hand where uh, Hawkeye gets the call from his family and then 
you don't really connect the fact that all the heroes that got snapped are back to you're not thinking about that because you're so connected with this core group and all that so when the portal scene happens it's you know the greatest thing you've ever seen it's very similar here where they they set it up and you like there's no reason you shouldn't have been thinking you know in this case where where's the pizza planet uh dolls or at the end like oh hey what you know what what are the toys gonna do like where are they gonna take the toys i don't know what's happening um and then like the entire ending of the movie is just like of course like this it all and it's so cathartic and yeah it's just exceptional storytelling i um yeah i I just love that that whole segment and i love that after that mr potato head and mrs potato head say you have saved our lives we are eternally grateful to the aliens is very lovely and moving um Mm -hmm. also bonnie is such a great kid like i love that character she's they they do such a great job of writing and animating her just like a shy pre-k kid yeah like that's exactly what that that child would act like and Um, she's so lovable and funny and i love the way when she sees woody with andy and she goes there's a snake in my boot (laughs) like that's so great and her parents are so lovely and their house is so beautiful like they do such a great job of making that like very different from andy's uh room and family and going this is just but what a beautiful like next level what a beautiful next place to go and i just really love bonnie as a character yeah i think that's one strength of both this film and the fourth film in that i think they do a really good job of fleshing out bonnie as a character versus andy um I, I do like Andy, and I think this feeds into why the fourth one hit me harder than than this this one might have. Kind of realized that I don't care all that much about Andy. He's kind of just the plot device. He's kind of just the motivation for a lot of the characters. The thing that Until I, the third I one, yeah. realized I I really care about with Toy Story is the relationship between all the toys. Um, so I think that's one of the big reasons why the fourth one hits me harder in terms of how it ends versus this one. It, it is also a bit, a bit different where Bonnie is younger when we meet her than Andy was when we met him. So immediately mm-hmm. she's a more vulnerable yeah. presence. Also in toy story three, they could spend a lot more time animating the humans because the humans looked great. So they didn't yes. have to like, uh, yes. you know, we'll, we'll be here when they have to be. We can and... show Sid cause you're supposed to hate him, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But we, we, uh, we see, do more not look at baby and... Molly for more than half a second. <laughs> Don't do it. But, um, I challenge you to watch food fight. Uh, oh my but... God. That's but our I, next I episode that... on the podcast. No, it's mm-hmm. not. It's on YouTube. <laughs> but but Bonnie is inherently a, vul- a more vulnerable person because she's so young. But also, she's we see her, she has a wonderful, loving home. But she's a shy, quiet, reserved kid who's mm-hmm. clearly so uh, imaginative and creative with, with her toys. And I was like that when I was a kid. I was very active at home and like... Very vocal, but I was, I mean, you couldn't pay me to talk in public. I was so reserved and oh, shy. yeah. I, I was, I was yeah. very much the same. <laughs> uh, I still, like, the, the, the stomach pain I had going to, like, kindergarten orientation um, 
I it was so visceral. I still remember what that felt like. <laughs> like it's a sensory memory for me. Um, and so that, I think that might be part of why we 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 can if why one would connect with Bonnie a little bit more is we have a little more time with her, and she's a more vulnerable person. The most vulnerability we see from Andy until the third movie is, I don't know where my toys are. Yeah. Which, when you're seven, that's a terrifying thing. Yeah. Um, but then watching it again now, I'm like, oh, that's a real shame. You know, hey, Andy's <laughs> mom, why aren't you sadder? But um, <laughs> all, all that. But being then you get said, to Toy Story 3, and I'm totally bought into Andy. Yeah. All that being said... The, the moment where Andy goes, the, the best thing about Woody is that he'll never give up on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is, like, such a a poetic line. And, yeah, like, obviously he doesn't know that Woody is actually alive and actually, like, that's literal. He won't give up yeah. on you. But, like, I don't know. It, it makes, it does make me wonder in terms of the toys, like, being able to control themselves. It's just like, Woody should just, like, start bawling right then and there. <laughs> well, uh, also, Andy, the thing that gets me is when she reaches for Woody and he, like, recoils yeah. a little bit. Like, yeah. no, not him. And it's so unconscious of him that he's not, like, reasoning out. He's just like, no, not Woody. Like, I don't let go of Woody. It's just, it really is extraordinary. Um, and, and the movies do a great job of showing what a great owner Andy is by showing us how terrible other people are with toys. Yeah, but right. like juxtaposed with Sid and to a degree uh, Al from mm-hmm. Al's Toy Band. Um, that you've now got uh, Bonnie, who's amazing. And then you're like, wow, wait, Andy's actually a really great kid. Like, yeah, all that tracks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do we, we want to talk about uh, – oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, do we want to talk about the opening? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say Buzz, the op- but we can talk about the opening. Because <laughs> the opening's amazing. <laughs> the opening's, like, yeah. stunning. The, the opening's amazing, but I, I, I just have one drawback to it. And, and once again, this, this How did Rex into... get so big? I know. <laughs> Slinky has a force field, and I know they say he has a force field, but like that's never been set up in the lore. There were six previous, <laughs> mo- seven previous movies, and never did anybody. <laughs> I even use the, the force field in that way. So <laughs> I'm supposed to just believe that Mr. Potato Head is evil all of a sudden after seven seasons of him being look, good. Look, he's just going to turn on a dime. Look, I read the prequel Maxi series about Rex, and when he roars, it does not say it's the Jurassic Park T-Rex sound effect, okay? <laughs> Plot hole. Plot hole. Um, I, I do think the, the opening is wonderful. I just wish... And it's not even that I wish. It, it's it's I'm two minds about it. So on the one hand, it's like really cinematic and it's amazing, and they're able to combine all the toys together in this scenario, and it's just like, oh, this is how Andy sees it, like in his head. He sees like this super grand adventure where just anything can happen, and that's really cool. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, oh, they just combined the the opening of the first movie, like with the, the evil Doctor Porkchop and and the Mister Potato Head being the bad guy, with the cinematic opening with the Buzz Lightyear video game of the second one. <laughs> I, it's it's not that big of a deal, but it is a thought I, that passed my brain while I was watching it, and that distracted me for. I feel like a bit. the idea is more be, what you're saying about trying to realize Andy's vision. Yes. Um. 
I, I think that it's more it's far more creative and interesting than the Toy Story two opening. Um, I mean, yeah. Even though I like the Toy Story 2 opening a lot, of course. The Toy Story 2 opening is just, hey, let's have an exciting action sequence. Yeah. Like, that's... Um, There's not really a whole lot of significance to it. This opening, to me, um, aside from the fact that it reintroduces you to all these characters immediately in a way that is so much more effective than if you just opened and it was like... Oh hey, all these characters are stuck in a box, or they're sitting in the attic. Uh, yeah. You know these characters, right, kids? I don't know. Yeah, get you're they're attached. They're all going to have promise. a line that kind of sums them up. Yeah, this this thing immediately just I, I I genuinely think it is like one of the best ten minutes of pure animation that I've ever seen. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's an incredible sequence in terms of there, there's the. Obviously, it starts with them on a train, which is super fun. You know, you, you love uh, seeing a good train heist anywhere, and, and especially <laughs> it's Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head and Woody. Um, but then the train, uh, they they blow up the bridge in front of it, and the train goes flying off into the canyon, and there's this, like, sonic boom thing, and the canyon glows blue, and Buzz goes shooting up, holding the entire train, because he's like a superhero in this universe. Um, and it's the most epic thing. And like, then then we get to of course the force field dogs, uh, dogs the force field dog and Slinky, um, and he has this really like I feel like there's if I'm remembering correctly kind of a demented cue as he's like hopping down this cliff, yeah, kind um, of. And he wraps up and he's supposed to be dastardly. He he turns on the force field and then Rex comes roaring out of the ground with the Jurassic Park T Rex roar. It's wonderful and it's <laughs> epic and huge. Yeah, and, they're, and they're doing the lines that we've all memorized from yes. those early movies. Yes. Um and then evil Doctor Porkchop shows up and it's this massive vehicle and it drops the uh barrel of monkeys and it just explodes into this atom bomb that is like the most just <laughs> it's like an a incredible just vision <laughs> like it's it's yeah. it's it's ridiculously cinematic and i think it looks amazing and i don't know that i've Dark. seen anything that i can compare it to in any animated film um obviously there's a lot of good animation these days uh i think toy story 4 looks great um frozen 2 looks great the how Small to Train Your Dragon foot, series, yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, but like, no, How to Train Your I, Dragon, those movies are amazing. Yes, looking, yeah. yes. But man, like it, it just it immediately grabs me into the movie. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, and and it does such a good job of for if if you're someone who hasn't seen Toy Story two since 1999, it's you've, it's been a long time because now yeah. you're older and you haven't been watching the Toy Story movies as much. It. Not like you've forgotten the characters, but not only does it remind you of who they are, but it it takes you back in such a... And I don't think nostalgia is necessarily a bad thing, but I think this movie dances with it really beautifully. Yes. To be like, we're not going to just give in to your nostalgia the whole time, but we're going to be like, hey, remember that stuff? Remember that childhood? It's really beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to have to talk about some hard stuff later <laughs> on, but like, we're going to have some fun, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're it, have some fun on the I way think there. the sequence immediately cuts away to... Um, Andy's mom filming on a on a camcorder or something, mm. um, which is just a great way to immediately like set us in that. Because I think I remember watching the movie originally being like, okay, so is this supposed to be, uh, you know, the like later on, like what what's what's happening here? Where are we? What's going on? And then it's like, oh, this is the the heyday of Andy's bedroom, I guess. Yeah. Like you know, this is when he was the he had age. all the toys and um, post Toy Story two, and he was just loving life, and so. Yeah, it's it's really nostalgic for us. It 
it, it inspires us or, or gets us to think about what's nostalgic for the toys as well in terms of them remembering these times and missing those times and wanting to just be Andy's kid again, or want, wanting Andy to be their kid again. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's wonderful. Absolutely. We can talk about problems now, Alex. <laughs> um, if they're going to do a buzz, like, but is no longer his normal self, could they have just cut to the chase and put him in Spanish mode? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I also I... think that would, would it this, because putting him into, into demo mode, I understand why they do it in the story. It would it have maybe been a better payoff if we didn't have secondary buzz in Toy Story 2? Because yeah. then it feels like a hearkening back to that first one without... Um, oh, we're doing it again. It feels yeah. like, hey, remember when? I don't know. Yeah. It was a thought I had earlier yeah. today. I would agree. Um, And I think I mean, that's the biggest yeah. thing, is that in the second one, the toys don't really notice when he turns back to his normal mode and obviously the deal on this is that because he's in demo mode the and and he still believes he's in star command and everything lotso can manipulate him and i think it's fun to see him beat up on the toys and like be this ultimate like jailer guy um they really set Buzz's power levels correctly. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> but I've, you know, I look a TV can fall on him and he survives. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think him. that's actually my biggest problem with the whole arc, quote unquote, of that is that it ends because they're just like, we really need Buzz to be normal again now because now <laughs> we're getting serious. He's just gonna get hit on the head and he's fine. Yeah, um, I mean, there's just, there's just too many questions like we're just gonna hit him on the head that's such like a lame trope yeah um and then also like how do they get to him being in spanish mode yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me well so if you hold down the button too long it resets him to his original original mode right wasn't that what happened i think they held it down too long so then i guess that transferred to spanish mode I don't yeah. know. Um, and maybe they needed to not hold it down that long, or I don't know, something like that. I know, I know, yeah, that happened, yeah. I don't know. Um, I was um, also kind of confused by the fact that it wasn't just, oh, we, we switch it back to play, but, you know. Sure. I, I kind of just wish that it was, they reset him, but, like, his English version has already progressed too much, so they so they reset him to Spanish mode, and then he's like, I am Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, <laughs> but in Spanish mode. Okay, I do actually wish that was... <laughs> but but with the one caveat that the one thing he hasn't forgotten is being is his attraction to Jesse, so yeah. he can still maintain that, that humor that, that works really well. I mean, he and, does he does mention that, and like he, he says something about... Yeah, your feminine uh, wiles. Or yes. Right, yeah. right. right. Huh. The, the I'll just say the, the dance between the two of them during the end credits was it was nothing short of magical. <laughs> Spanish lover Buzz is delightful. Yeah, um, he's very good. And I do I do really like when, when Jesse goes. It's fine, Woody. Besides, I know what, how to get him back to Spanish mode. Spanish mode. <laughs> um, yeah, I do actually like that a lot. That idea of of him being. Uh, coming out and, and uh, stating in Spanish that he is Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that would be pretty good. I'm not against that. Um, 
And I don't think it would have thrown the tone off too much if that's what they did. But they were trying to hit a little bit darker of an idea with Lotso yeah. and his crew. Um, so, I don't know. I like that, but I'm not sure if it would have worked. Yeah, and I think the darkness is done is, is managed really well. Like, there's some stuff in this movie that's quite scary. Like, I think Big Baby's pretty scary. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I think and obviously all the Big all Baby the stuff, is a perfect uh, example, right. kind of like... They're they're very good with 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 baby related toys because like <laughs> the the baby head with the the spider baby metallic face, yeah. arms like is creepy and terrifying at first but then when you realize like the full context of oh these are like broken toys and they've had to put themselves together then they all become endearing yeah and I yeah. think the same thing with Big Baby was like once they tell Big Baby what happened and that Lotso lied and manipulated Big Baby the whole time like then it's like really sad mm-hmm. yeah. Lotso smashing the daisy locket is oh, yeah. heart wrenching. Yeah, and, and and that Lotso is just so. I mean, it's trauma. Like that's what he's doing. He's reacting to trauma, and that, but in such a, a negative way. Like, I do appreciate yeah, that. It's that really powerful. You know, my reservations about him being so similar to to Stinky Pete aside, I do like that he's a more extreme version. Mm-hmm. I don't think Stinky Pete would immediately go, I'm going to let all of you die. Yeah. Because right. I don't care. I, it, w- when Lotso, like, he's, he's just like, I, ha- I have the opportunity to save you. And I'm specifically, not gonna. specifically, they just saved him. Yes. And yeah. it's like, oh. Well, because I, I think Stinky yeah. Pete was very much about, like, I'll do whatever I have to so that I'm okay. Yes. Yeah. Like, but and, and Lotso specifically, was like, I, I, mm. I was going to say, uh, Stinky Pete specifically needed Woody to be... Right there, so that he could get sold as part of this collection and have a nice exactly. retirement life, I guess. Seem, but he didn't seem like malicious, necessarily so much as like desperate. Yes, and Lotso is just—he's just turned. You know, he's just a tyrant. He's yeah. like, even though you just saved me, it, it's not—it's no longer about him. It's not it's like he's not trying to reach a goal. He's trying to like constantly re like confirm his own worldview in yes. his mind and to constantly prove that to himself and everybody else that the world is cruel and we're all just trash and so by not saving Woody and them he's like you one you challenged me and I'm in charge but also now everything that I've been saying and trying to believe is still true um, and then he gets uh, to live out the rest of his life as the front of a truck <laughs> yeah right. or on the front of on the front of a truck I, I still like that they, they never resort to the antagonist is killed. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I really think them all in the incinerator works because they don't keep fighting to the bitter end. Like they recognize mm-hmm. that they don't they can't do anything. And so them accept I, yeah. them accepting their fate then is basically like turning to the audience audience saying all right now you guys have to accept it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that's why to. it works so well and why why the 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 ultimate save with the claw is effective mm-hmm. um i agree yeah it's just all that's really well done yeah <sighs> all of them just yeah. holding hands awaiting <laughs> awaiting death well and i, I and love I'm the really, fact that's how that... this podcast is gonna end boys <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> Um, We're going to be watching the Snyder Cut holding hands, awaiting death. (laughs) (laughs) Just shutting our eyes, accepting it. 
Yes. We're all just chanting, come together. <laughs> here, I, I, here come old flat top, he come <laughs> grooving up slowly. <laughs> he uh, won Mojo Monkey? I don't know what that song's probably. about. Um, I love the fact that this movie starts with... Oh no! These these toys are about to get thrown in the the trash. Then they they get thrown the trash bags get thrown in the back of the dumpster, and Woody thinks that they've been crushed horribly. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's that little st- not stinger, I guess, because stinger would come after, but a bit of foreshadowing, I guess, where you get that and you're like, oh wow, they they came kind of close to that, you know, like that's that's a little yeah horrifying, and it gets you thinking about the fact that these are material things that will eventually end in a landfill if people don't continue to want them um and the fact that like that's how toys get out of the daycares oh they get broken and thrown in the trash and like just as throughout the movie we get increasingly closer to the landfill and that that final scene and it it keeps bringing that back up and it's hard to ignore it it's hard to be like oh that's they're not going there Eh, it's fine yeah it's fine they're gonna get they're gonna get back to andy's it's gonna be fine and it just it just keeps reinforcing it throughout the movie more and more and more until at the end you're like oh geez this is <laughs> where nice we've been they, heading. They have the little Easter egg that the gar- Sid is the garbage man, mm-hmm. um, and that all of their potential death is around a garbage truck in a landfill yeah. is kind of an yeah. interesting like. Not that Sid, we don't even know that Sid is the one driving the truck at the end, but the point is like that that, that that's how he's in this is all pretty cool. I also love that they don't give Sid like a full sequence or dialogue or anything. Mm, yeah, I love how it's just a little detail in the background. He's wearing the the, the skull t shirt. If you notice it, you notice yeah. it, and if you don't, it's fine. Yeah, it's just yep. a guy. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, guys, we've we've we're, we're we've been at this for about an hour. Do we want to wrap up and move on to Toy Story four? Or is there anything else you really need to hit on in Toy Story three? Um, I think. Just going through some of my other reservations about the movie, I, I feel like in some places the movie cuts some corners in weird ways that I wouldn't have expected. Um, j- just a couple of concrete examples that I remember because I am forgetting a lot that we said sure. in the last episode. Um, at the end, like when when they're getting pulled up by the magnets, it's it's like, oh, we have to rescue Slinky, and then yeah. they, oh, they right. pass like the big crusher thing or whatever. And and Woody, Buzz, and Lotso are still hanging on to the golf club, which is also a weird thing because both of them weigh weigh the golf club down to rescue Lotso, but then they all get up on it and it raises them up. I don't know. That's weird. But, like, they're hanging on after they get past the the crusher and Slinky's just on the ground with the other toys safe and sound while the magnet still appears to be operating. That's kind of weird. Um... So I, I, noticed, I noticed some things like that here and there that I maybe it's because of my intense nostalgia of the first two movies. Maybe if I went back with that lens, I would have noticed more things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only other thing that that kind of bothered me was was um, I feel like the conversation between Woody and the other toys about Andy, whether or not he purposely was trying to throw them away or not. I feel like that conversation goes on too long, and it should, like, the, the whole sequence in, in the car, in, in the trunk where he's trying to convince them, I feel like is kind of 
redundant and it should immediately go to, well, it doesn't matter. We don't want to be in the attic. We want to yeah. go on and find something better. Yeah. I kind of feel yeah. like... And I still think that a lot of... Yeah. Yeah, I've, I feel like the movie for me, outside of that, that wonderful opening, I feel like a lot of it is a little slow. Especially because, like, when we get to the daycare... And I know a lot of this is just like in terms of the marketing and stuff, and obviously I'm not, I'm not a child, so like I'm thinking <laughs> about I'm thinking about it in terms of like oh this is a movie I'm like oh Watson's the bad guy yeah like so I'm just like all right can can we get to it please can we get a move on with the story um, I, I think that those were kind of and once again the, the, these aren't the, these are me problems these aren't actual for the most part they aren't actual problems with the movie. A lot of it is just my bias. That being said, you did maybe make me think of the um, daycare uh, scene where all the young kids come in and Buzz is like looking around and seeing all the toys hide. Yes, and he's like, "Which is this so is concerning." Yes. <laughs> I, 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 that is that is a gener- genuinely wonderful sequ- sequence, yes. and it's that's horrifying. a great like horror movie. The horror image movie of situation. of the kid dismantling Mr. Potato Head and shoving one of the <laughs> eyes up his nose <laughs> oh. will haunt me in my dreams. Yes, and all the just like bashing and smashing. Oh, it's just horrendous. It's, yeah. And I still think the thing in the in the trunk, a lot of their resistance might have been, Woody, we think you're hanging on too much, but I, I, I know what you mean. It, it was just kind of frustrating because I feel like in, in every single one of these movies, there's a point where Woody gets into an argument with them, and he's basically always right. Yeah. Like, even even if the situation doesn't appear that way, he does ultimately continue to be right. It's it's this weird thing where sometimes the toys are treated like idiots, and sometimes they're not. Yeah. Sometimes they're, like, really smart and have insightful things to say, and sometimes they're jumping to weird conclusions or or not putting the dots together in, in a way that I, I feel like they should. Which is kind of what they did in the last two movies as well, I feel like. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm, I think that's prevalent through all of these movies. I'm not saying that's just this one or the fourth one. I think it's in all of them. Which, I mean, they do make a point of, like, they're children's toys. So yeah. I think that's kind of a, a, a throwaway, like, just give it to them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's, that's about all I have to say about Toy Story 3, so... Are, are we doing grades, are doing... or are we kind of waiting to the end? We're going to grade uh, Toy Story 3, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll unveil everyone's grades um, yeah. from, from <laughs> our lost episode. We'll work it backwards here. Britain gave it an A+. Plus. Tyler yeah. gave it an A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I gave it a B+. Plus. However, I'm changing mm-hmm. my grade. Mm-hmm. B-. minus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going A minus. There you go. Hey, minus. <laughs> minus is a negative. Eh. Correct. Well, it's just, it's just funny because I made the point in the last episode of like everything's relative. Like you give a Fast and Furious movie a B plus, and it's like, oh, that's like the best movie ever made. Yep. <laughs> but right. like, you give Toy Story a B plus, shame upon you. <laughs> and the shame worked. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think it, it did help kind of discussing some of my, my issues with it and kind of walking it, walking through it with yeah. you guys, um, kind of helping to alleviate some of my concerns about it, but 
I, I, hey, you, you, you've got friends in us. In oh. terms of personal enjoyment, I think it's the weakest of all four hmm. for me. It's interesting. I I think okay. after that discussion, I can definitely say that this is my favorite of the three. Um, trying to kind of divorce the nostalgia blinders from from the first two yeah. and, and think about them as movies, which we still I gave the first two an A plus and an A, I believe. Yeah. Um, but like, I just I think this one is a brilliant, a brilliant, yeah. and and I think not cynical is a great way to look at it in terms of. They really wanted to tell this story about moving on with these characters as opposed to tell a story that was very nostalgia-focused and was trying to just kind of yeah. play off the fact that, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the thing that the people will recognize. We'll make money. Let's do it. Um, so. Yeah, it's very much about you know moving on from your nostalgia and moving on from your childhood. Yeah. I, yeah, it's it's... Either this or the first one is my favorite. The first one might be technically speaking the best. Yeah, which I think again, that would be the, fair. the the gulf between these movies is so small. <laughs> yes. Like any any wavering I have is so minor. But I, I think the first one might ultimately be the best. But this one is just like that's interesting. Emotionally, it just overwhelms me so much. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are more things I can quote from the first one. But, I mean, I think 3 SML has a lot of great gags. It also has uh, one of my favorite lines from a Toy Story movie, which goes like this. Authority should derive from the consent of the governed, not through the threat of force. And that is said by Barbie. And it's awesome. The Barbie is like a freedom fighter. It's so good. Yes. I think I would probably say that Toy Story 2 is the best. Mm. Interesting. I don't know. You gave the first one Nate, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that tracks. So Toy well, Story Four. Speaking of Toy let's, Story, um, <laughs> let's, G- let's give give out them scores and then we'll let's not do this. Let's not do this right now. <laughs> uh, Toy Story Four, directed by Josh Cooley from 2019. It has a 97 percent critic score in Rotten Tomatoes and a 94 percent audience score. Fascinating. Um, How is so, that the highest audience score? I don't know. Um, yeah, we're we're really uh, swapping hats here. Um, Huh. We've we've been discussing this in our our perspectives, and and now I get to be the bad guy, um, because <laughs> although I think a lot of people would actually side with you on this, sure. One. I don't. Yeah, I was trying to find beforehand to try and like gauge generally, you know, on on your various news sites that are like let's rank the Pixar movies and things like that, trying to figure out what people would generally say about it. And I think I don't think I could find a lot of them that had like re-ranked them since Toy Story four came out or anything like that so it was, yeah. was kind of hard to, ga- to gauge that would be my guess too just because i think it was by far the least noticed of any of these um and i don't know yeah. that, that that's necessarily fair it's a good movie um but i would argue that it is uh the lesser of these by a country mile <laughs> um <laughs> i i really watching it especially this time uh i to me i think the best comparison i can give is a, a Finding Dory or an Incredibles 2 or a Monsters University. I haven't even seen Monsters University, but I just know that that's the, the realm we're working with here. Where it's like nobody really says those are bad movies, um, but they're just not at all held to the standard of the first ones. That's kind of how I feel about this. Uh, I'll, I'll put myself on the chopping, chopping block first uh, in terms of best and worst. If, if you, 
you can you can tear me down. Um, I think I'll start and say. I think my best thing about this is that it's quite funny. I think it's a very entertaining movie. Um, there's a lot of silly, good jokes thrown in there. Um, it has a, a Rex line that I think is top five of the, from the franchise where he says, the panic is attacking me. <laughs> um, right. And it's very good. That is good. Uh, there's, I think, Bunny and Ducky? That their names bunny and ducky yes, yes. uh they're they're quite funny Peel. they have a lot of a lot of good gags um there's a there's a bit where when buzz lightyear is pressing through his his sound thing uh that it says uh open the pod bay doors and that was great <laughs> i had not caught that the <laughs> yeah. first time um so there i think there it's funny there's there's a good number of gags um i'm getting that out of the way right away because my worst thing is the fact that i think this movie is really really geared towards trying to just make the most the broadest possible audience laugh and mm. not a whole lot else um that's that's unfair but interesting okay and specifically what i'm talking about so um we talked about how the last movie uh we introduced this this new set of toys and you've got jeff garland you've got kristen shaw you've got timothy dalton this movie does not really do anything with them either. Right. But it does introduce Tony Hale, uh, Key and Peele, Keanu Reeves, Bill Hader, Carl Weathers as a cameo. Um, there's a few cameos at the beginning, like Mel Brooks and Betty White. Um, yeah. Carol and, Burnett and uh, Carl Reiner. And, like, uh, don't get me wrong. These and are all, Christina like... Christina Hendricks. I, Christina Hendricks is also in the movie. Christina Hendricks, yes. Um, and don't get me wrong. I, I love all these actors. I think they're all great, and I think they're all good in this movie. But this movie felt very, very cynical to me in the regards of mm. it felt like we were introducing this this huge new cast in terms of all these lost toys and everything. We do bring Bo Peep back, which is nice, and we'll talk about that. Um, but so much of the cast and so much of the focus of this movie is is on new characters when it really introduces two problems for me. Um, one, it feels like all the new characters are made for being funny. Uh, Keanu Reeves is is just doing a lot of silly things um, where he's he's a, a biker who has lost his way. And again, it's all funny. I'm not saying it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but I did not feel like any emotional attachment to any of these characters. <laughs> I, I felt like there was a lot of uh, really just... I mean, there's, there's, I think, multiple montage. Maybe there's one montage and then there's another montage in the end credits of Key and Peele um, talking about how they're going to, like, freak out at someone and like hit them in the face, which again, mm. super funny. Like it's a, it's a good gag, but it feels like yeah. that's what they're doing with so many of the characters is just introducing them and basically having them be a joke. Um, it's funny how we, we just talked about in the last movie, they make this, they have this ongoing motif of the landfill and the garbage trucks and, and the fact that we're, our toys are slowly barreling towards this grim fate. And then in this movie, it's a joke that, that Forky Tony Hale. So again, oh hey, here's a funny guy from Arrested Development that people know. Let's let's get him in here. Um, and he's constantly obsessed with trash, and that's just like a gag. Just like, oh, I'm trash. I want to get into the trash can. And like, I, uh, it, again, it makes sense in the story. It's funny and everything. But I feel like I can't take any of the movie seriously. And on top of that, we're introducing this whole cast, and in order to do that, we're basically butting out. Um, 
everyone <laughs> with the past movies that isn't Woody. Um, we're basically recreating Bo Peep as a character um, in order to make her more relevant to the plot of this movie. And so then at the end, we're supposed to have this this very tearful goodbye of Woody saying goodbye to all his, his, his pals from over the years. And that's supposed to be the big emotional moment. But we haven't spent like any time with them through this movie. They get like a couple of, of scenes that here and there where they... Uh, you know, Jesse gets the one scene where she, she goes and pops the tire, and that's fun. Um, Buzz gets, like, a B-plot through the first two acts of the movie that I think is really, really dumb. <laughs> we'll get into it. <laughs> um, and aside from that, like, everyone else is just sort of there. Uh, and they pop up again. I mean, like, there's the bit at the end where the uh, Bonnie's toys are messing with the RV. That's That's fun. It's a little too much for me, I think, in terms of the toys interacting with the humans. Yeah, it's but, a little stressful, yeah. Um but you know, it's 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 funny and it's I'm I'm glad they at least got that. But I feel like at the end we're supposed to be really emotionally invested in this story of Woody saying goodbye to the uh, to his his old pals, but we haven't really explored their relationship. We've explored his relationship with Bo Peep because we had to establish that because that's kind of a retcon. And also the other toys from Bonnie's room are there, but we haven't really spent much time with them either because we I would think should have spent more time with them here in this movie. And we didn't have time to spend time with them in the last movie. And so it's like, I, it, it, the first time I saw this movie, I remember it. Um, and this was only a few months ago. I remember it being like, Oh yeah, that was, that was a powerful ending. And this time it, it really fell flat on me. I, I just could not get the connection there. <laughs> so that's my piece. Oh, I'll let you guys give, give praise to the movie now. What did you do your best thing as well? No, it was funny. I, I do think it's a funny movie. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, I'm Switzerland, so I'll go. Sure. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that my, uh, yeah, my worst thing about the movie is that we don't get enough time with our core cast. And uh, we we talked about this in the last episode, that um, Don Rickles, who voiced Mr. Potato, Head's pa- Mr. Potato Head, mm-hmm. passed away between the production of 3 and 4 in 2017. And Pixar went and got his family's permission to use archival audio which is why he only has a couple of lines that are fairly generic, like, what are yeah. you doing? Hey, come on, that kind of stuff. It works, and I, I, I'm I, fine with that. Um, at least and they didn't put him at the unique... center of the movie like another Disney product. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, and, and I would rather them do that than like have someone come in and try to do a sound-alike, yeah. which, is, which I say that even though they recast Slinky after Jim Varney passed away mm-hmm. for Toy Story 3, the great character actor Blake Clark who played Sean's dad on Boy Meets World, among many other things, who sounds exactly like Jim Varney. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, but Jim Varney was kind of doing a voice, so that's a different yeah. it's a different situation. Um, so I don't know if, if it rose out of maybe a lot of that core group was just busy or something. <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't, and, and I mean this honestly, I don't know how busy John Ratzenberger and Wallace Shawn and Joan Cusack yeah. are. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I understand how Tim Allen and Tom Hanks would go, oh, I have to make time to be Buzz and Woody. Yeah. And I don't know if the others have that same kind of commitment level or, like, necessity of commitment. I, I don't know. Um, so, it, I, and, and I, I feel the same way, Tyler, where it's like, I'm not as connected I, I enjoy all of the new characters, but I don't find them to be immortal the way I do the yes. others. And part of that's just time. Yeah. Time it overall. Is nostalgia. Spent. 
Yeah, and and um, I would have liked to, to have spent more time with our with our core group, and I think that there's probably a way you could have still done this same basic outline and involved them more. Mm-hmm. Um, I love all, I love the antique store as a setting. I love. I, I'm consistently impressed in these movies how they manage to come up with different types of toys. Like yep. I really enjoyed Giggle McDimples in this, the Polly Pocket surrogate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's so funny when she first pops up, and then she's like, "Be right down," and then just like, yeah. travels like two inches. Um, but yeah, a lot of them are essentially there for comedy. The, the comedy thing that, works. that really uh, emphasized this for me as I was watching is, I think it's about halfway, maybe two thirds of the way through the movie, where they fail to. Um, I forget what action scene this this comes after. I think basically they fail to get Forky out of uh, Gabby's hands. The antique store. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they're all outside, and uh, Bo Peep is like, "Look at us! What do you we? You know, we we're we're done. We we can't do this." And the group that she's talking about that that's looking exhausted and we're supposed to be like, oh man, they're really like beat up and they're really emotionally drained is it, Buzz is there. Then it's Bunny and Ducky and uh, Duke, Duke Kaboom, Kaboom and maybe that might be it. I guess, I guess little, little Giggles is there. Giggles yeah. is there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, to me, that was a thing that really made me realize, oh, I, I don't, have much like i this movie hasn't really made me want to get more into these characters especially when i love again the the character cast or the cast of characters from bonnie's room that we got introduced in the last movie that we didn't get to see more of in this because i think that that whole group is is wonderful and maybe though maybe that's the group that really you have to look at in terms of people who are busy maybe that's what the problem was but um sure sure yeah because kristen shaw is definitely busy yes uh and so I, I can get that, but like, I don't know. That bothered me a lot. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I, I feel you there. And I, um, well, I can, I can table that for later in the discussion. Sure. So I gotta, I gotta say, my, my best thing is gonna be actually two things. One, my best thing is a piece of trivia that I read today <laughs> that makes me very happy, and I think will make everyone else very happy. So Keanu Reeves voices Duke Kaboom, Canada's. Mm-hmm. great daredevil and uh it's a great toy it's one of those you know you pull them back and they shoot forward apparently keanu reeves after the movie uh did not leave duke kaboom behind he went on to film the third bill and ted movie that's right there's gonna be three of them and mm-hmm. on the set he brought with it, this is samara weaving a, a really fun actress who's in that movie apparently which is great he said in an interview, yeah, he had this Duke Kaboom fi- action figure that he would bring to set every day and have the crew hide it for him. And that was how he entertained himself was he had to go on a little scavenger hunt to find Duke Kaboom every day. That's delightful. <laughs> Which makes me so happy. I know he'd be like, wearing Reeves, like, like a Bill and Ted outfit, but I kind of wish he was dressed up like in full John Wick regalia while doing the <laughs> He just, he already, Keanu Reeves just makes my heart so happy yes and I, there's other little bits in the trivia about how like the 
the guys, the producers and the director were like, he was so much fun to work with. We didn't think he was going to be a big, a big character, yeah. but he came to work and was like, so is he mad at Rajon? Like, what's <laughs> Duke Kaboom's like whole That's thing? So and apparently started like practicing the lines and doing like karate chops. Like he was so into it. And they were like, he was a ton of fun. Cause of course he is. He's Keanu Reeves. Yeah. He's one of the best. But, uh, if I can, so if that, I can that was part of it. Jump in real yeah, quick. Please. And I think that is part of the saving grace of, of why I do still enjoy this movie is that like, I listed off that cast who to me is very much like, oh, well, let's get a big name in here so that they can like do a do a thing and people will recognize the, the voice actor. Um, but mm. I think all the actors they selected are just delightful, and that is a prime example. Yes. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll, going off of that, I'll say my best thing. I'll go with Christina Hendricks. I sure. think she's awesome in this. Uh, Gabby Gabby is a great uh, uh, character and a great way to have a follow-up antagonist who who isn't really that antagonistic yeah. i mean she's not a villain you really do feel for her and you want her to have a happy ending which she does get and i actually do i connected very much with her story because i feel like that mm-hmm. wasn't one that relied on like that was all very self-contained in that movie yes. we got a complete character arc in that movie and i was like great you did a really great job of it the scene where the little girl is lost which is mm-hmm. already like i'm just already so upset but then she finds Gabby Gabby, and that gives her the bravery to go ask for like the policewoman's help. Like all of that, just like completely, yes. works on me. The the bit um, where uh, Gabby um, goes and like presents herself basically to to Harmony, the little kid that she's uh, been pining for, and then Harmony's like, "Oh, I found this doll," and Woody and Forky are looking and are like, "Oh, you know, she's gonna find a home." And then the girl's like, "Eh," and just drops Gabby. That is yeah. that is genuinely heartbreaking. It's like, oh no, it really is. It's so upsetting, and I uh, and I I didn't realize the first time I watched it that the reason Gabby one of the reasons Gabby Gabby is so attached to Harmony is because Harmony looks like the girl in the little Gabby mm-hmm. Gabby book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Christina Hendricks does such a good job in this movie at being heartbreaking and being scary and like yeah. every level of we're completely what I I really love that performance because of course I love Keanu Reeves of course I love Key and Peele they're hilarious. Um, Ali Maki, I believe, mm-hmm. played Giggles McDimble. She's really funny. Um, it's neat that Bill Hader has a couple lines as the Carney. Yeah. That's fun. Um, Carl Weathers, I believe, was Combat Carl. Yes. I loved, uh, I love the Combat Carl thing. And I love that there's the one Combat Carl who never gets a high five. Yes, I noticed mm-hmm. that. <laughs> he keeps going for it. Until, if you watch the credits all the way to the end, Duke Kaboom comes in and does the Pixar lamp when he crushes the eye. Which I don't feel great about because that's the Pixar lamp's job. <laughs> but after Duke Kaboom does it, the that snowsuit combat Carl comes on screen and they high five and yep. then the end, <laughs> and that made me happy. Uh, yeah. Okay, Alex. <laughs> um. Everything Tyler said is accurate, <laughs> and I just don't care. Sure. <laughs> um. Well, I'll I'll get this out of the way. I I love the movie. It's got problems. I I absolutely loved it, and and the ending like completely floored me. Like I I was genuinely in tears at the end. Um, oh, me too. No, and and don't don't let me misunderstood. All down my face, real full <laughs> tears yeah. at the ending. Um, yes. Gabby Gabby is my favorite villain in quotes antagonist of of all four movies. Um. So we can get into that, just going off of Britain's uh, point earlier. Um, 
my best thing is going to be Woody's character arc. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I think I'm not as against giving all the other characters less screen time and trying to focus more on a new new set of characters. Because his arc is about letting go of the obligation he has assigned for himself of taking care of a kid. And all the the other toys are still reliant on that, that relationship. Um, and he doesn't really need that anymore. And I, I like... Thinking about the movie after watching it, it does feel like the movie is almost trying to prep the audience for letting go of these characters in terms of what while at the same time Woody being away from them for the basically the whole movie is basically prepping him to, you know, leave them. Yeah. That's kind of the way that I read all of that. I didn't it it didn't come off negatively to me. I kind of saw a method to the madness. And I I do recognize how it's like, well, I came here to see Buzz and Jesse and, and Bullseye and, and Rex, and I came to see all these characters. Why are they not doing so much? So I do get that. Um, I guess this is a similar situation to Alien 3, where it's just like, that's the one... There's one big thing that you got to just get past in order to enjoy the movie. <laughs> if you can get past that, you'll have a wonderful time. Readers, you will, you will remember, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Correct. Um, I don't know. Woody's... I, this movie felt very Dark Knight Rises to me, and I think that was mostly just in Woody's character arc being very similar to Bruce's character arc in that movie, where it's kind of like you need to move on and start a new life. Like, you've True. given... You, you've you've given <laughs> this part of your life everything. You've given you, this Bonnie everything. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I, I really just found it really, really resonant in a way that I didn't find the third one as much. And I think that is much more because this is about Woody's relationship with the toys um, more so than the kid's relationship with Woody. Because early on, it's like Woody doesn't get played with by Bonnie very much. Yeah. And so like his focus on, on trying to help Forky of like, no, no, this is the new guy. We got to support him. Mm-hmm. And I just like that when compared to the first one of showing how much Woody has changed in terms of like, oh, he's the new guy. He's got the spotlight. We need to support him because he's important to the kid. The kid's happiness yeah. comes first. Yeah. I, I don't know. There was just so much there that I, I was really, really into. Um, and, and I do I love, feel love the, that scene yeah, okay. where um, uh, Bo is confronting him of like, why why are you doing this? Why do we have to go in there and f- to get Forky? And he's like, this is all I have left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's trying to find new purpose. I I don't know. I all of that I really really respond sure. to. Um In terms of a worse thing, I've got I've got a couple of things and I I feel like both of them are turn in are are centered around kind of my reservations with the third one in terms of redundancies. Yeah. The antique shop is a more boring version of the daycare, I feel, in terms of yeah, what it's sure. supposed to yeah. represent, and I don't feel like they they use it for fun enough set pieces. Yeah. I, I would I would kind of agree with that. Um, and I, yeah. I think they spend a little too long at the antique store. Like, I remember watching it the first time, and it felt like there were three different attempts to rescue Forky. It's not mm-hmm. that much. Yeah. There's just two, and then Woody kind of gives himself up to Gabby Gabby in terms yeah. of transferring the voice box. 
But it's but also the fact that there are two. Is yes. a little... Yeah, it feels like it's a bit much, right? Um, but then also this will be Tyler's probably bigger complaint. Um, Buzz relying mm-hmm. on hey, his let, voice let, let me box. hold him back. Let me hold him back. <laughs> <laughs> let me at him. Buzz relying on his <laughs> voice box as his conscience, and it's. Mm-hmm. But then magically at the end of the movie, he actually understands what the conscience is, and he's like, "Woody, rely on your conscience or whatever." Yeah, I, um, it, that's he, that that that's it's a, the one moment where I felt like thing. we're trying yeah. to play like dumb humor, just whatever's going to get a laugh. Yes, um, um, yeah, it does not feel yeah, like that became a moment of like, yeah. "Oh, Buzz is dumb right now," yes. just because he is. It does not feel like the same character from the last three movies, and I know I'm. I'm like bringing in um, character continuity ar- uh, arguments that are normally leveled at uh, comic books, and I'm bringing them into a movie about toys for children. Um, but like, man, <laughs> but also I, the, I, the the first three movies were consistent with their characters, and I feel like this movie is very consistent with how it handles Woody. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I know Bo gets retconned, but also it's a seven year gap where she was just gone, so I'm okay yes. with her almost being a new character. Because Woody is is as surprised by that as the audience is. I, yes. I'm, I'm okay with that. We see we see her transformation through his eyes. But yeah, yeah. Buzz is yeah, I liked, um, I liked not Bo. handled I liked Bo. properly, I feel. Yeah. And almost in a way that they went, we've geared this movie so much around Woody. Oh, we need to put Buzz in here too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I almost feel like in, in, in terms of alleviating some of this, I feel like Buzz and a couple of other toys could have gone like almost maybe you have i'm trying to think of of who immediately we would be the the best choices to send um uh slinky i think yeah i I, I was thinking like one toy from andy's group and then one toy from bonnie's group Mm. i don't know hmm yeah, well, I defo Slinky because he and Woz are buds, and I love Slinky. Yeah, and also he has Slink powers. Um, <laughs> I love Dolly because I love Bonnie Hunt so much. So mm-hmm. I would have liked. I really liked how Dolly at the beginning, the way Dolly and Woody were talking about like, "Hey, come on," this is, and how they were both talking like co-captains, where he was yes. like, "Hey, my guys are pros. <laughs> they know how they, what they're right. doing." I I think if yeah. you had a subplot that was. Maybe it's it's Buzz, Slinky, Jesse, and then like um, mm. Buttercup or, like tr- or yeah, Buttercup would be a good one. Just because he's kind of one of the the straight men from them, or it could be Dolly. Um, I'm just thinking of like characters that I feel like you could have them easily go on an adventure because Dolly's kind of seems kind of uh, yeah, she's kind of rooted, yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like if you had like those characters, or maybe you could do like Trixie, just because Christian Shaw is the best, but. Um, yeah, she's a lot of fun. Yeah, some some combination of them, and then that reunion slash goodbye at the end, I think would be just killer for me. Um, yes, I think it's just the fact that we don't really see much of them, and Buzz specifically. I feel like they do him real dirty. Um, <laughs> they're, they're specifically. Um, I feel like I've said specifically ten times since we started reviewing this movie. There is a bit where Buzz. He's trying to find Woody, I think, at the carnival. Um, mm-hmm. And he uses his inner voice or whatever, and he sees, I think it's a spaceship um, spinner. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what you yeah. call it. Um, there's a name, Scrambler. Maybe that's the name I'm looking for. It's a carnival mm-hmm. ride. 
uh, and he goes and he grabs on it and he spins around and he flies out. And they, s- I'm pretty sure they use a cue that comes from the uh, "I will go sailing no more," the or, or the, huh. the the bit in there where um, in Toy Story one he jumps off the railing and it 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 gets triumphant for just a moment. It's the da 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 da. Yeah. And they use that cue while he's spinning and he, he goes up and he flies and then he just bounces off a, a like Ferris wheel or something and lands somewhere and then the, I think Bill Hader finds him. Um, and I thought that was kind of an insult. <laughs> so that's, that's a really good emotional beat from the first movie and now he can just kind of yeah. go flying against things and smack against... And I'm, I mean, the toys, the, it's always been very you know, whatever they need the the plot to do in terms of how damage, how much damage they can take and all that. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. uh, I just thought that was very silly and was well, not a fan. it's just strange because <laughs> even, even thinking about the second and third movies, Buzz is competent, like really competent when he mm-hmm. wants to be. Like, the whole section, when he gets left behind at Al's toy barn and has to work his oh, way yeah. up alone all the way to, to, to reach Woody and, and, and the other toys. He does yep. that all himself, and he's, like, very competent about it. Like, he's not pressing a, a button to figure out where to go next. <laughs> and then, yeah, and, and the third movie, like, he does escape the, the, the caterpillar room, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. He, he does yep. escape that and do a little reconnaissance before he gets captured. Like, yes. Buzz knows what he's doing when he needs to. Um, yeah, I, I. That's the one part that I noticed where I felt like, oh, you guys are just going for laughs. However, you mm-hmm. can get them. Um, yeah. And I do feel like Key and Peel, ultimately, Ducky and Bunny, don't need to be in the movie. Like, sure. they are just there for laughs. But I was laughing so hard at them. Like, yeah, I was. Great. I was. Like, I had gut bust laughing during this movie. I found them so... F- I found Keanu Reeves hilarious. So, yep. you know, it, it's it's a fine line where it's like, yeah, some of these characters are redundant. I wish they relied on the other ones, but darn it, these characters are funny. <laughs> like, what do you what do? You do? <laughs> Who is scarier, Benson or Big Baby? I think it's still Big Baby. Yeah, probably. Really? Uh, Benson felt like... It's what we talk about with the James Bond movies, where it's just like you have your generic blonde thug who may be vaguely mm. Russian. This felt like just <laughs> that kind of thing. That said, they're pretty creepy. <laughs> they, I mean, they are pretty creepy, but it's it didn't really feel like they had a whole lot of personality to them. And then, I, oh no, that's what makes them. They're just like haunted golems. But I, I was a little bit confused at the end when they're trying to get into the carnival and they like one of the Bensons is in the stroller. I'm like, what yeah. happened to him? Do the Bensons? Yeah, why? Is, and like, yeah. we lose track of the Bensons completely. Of like, mm-hmm. do they just chill at the toy sh- or the antiques store? Are they okay yeah. with Gabby Gabby just leaving yeah. them? I mean, I think it's like Westworld, and, you know, that cat shows, like, a photo to one of the Bensons. The Benson is like, doesn't look like anything to me. (laughs) (laughs) Keep trying to solve the maze. Precisely. (laughs) There's another moment um, where where, where Bo and her sheep are talking to Woody and they're they find like a paperclip and she's like oh great they're finding like scraps and stuff they f- bring up a grape soda bottle cap 
And she's like, no. Which is, like, one of the emotional linchpins of Up. <laughs> and she just kind of waves it away, and it's like... I mean, y'all. <laughs> like, I, I kind of get it, but also, like, that's the Ellie badge. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, that is weird. I don't know um, if that's if that's coincidental or... Probably not. Probably not. But yeah. I, I, I will also say, I feel like Tom Hanks ups his game in every movie. Like, he just, sure. he's so good in these. Yeah. And this was the first time I, we, we mentioned in the last episode how we could, he sounds the same in all these movies. This is the first time I was like, I'm hearing a little bit of older Tom Hanks in this. Mm-hmm. Not not in any sort of distracting way, but like, oh, okay, I hear it. Mm-hmm. But he is just so brilliant all the time. And apparently when he and Tim Allen were recording the, like, goodbye between like there's that that scene like they were both like getting choked up because it's that's a big deal you know yeah and you can hear there's a line that buzz is saying where he's like she'll be fine like it there's a little catch in tim allen's throat Mm -hmm. in that line read which is which is really beautiful i find the ending very very powerful and moving and i think it's because like the first time I saw it, I did not expect it and this time i watched toy story 3 two days ago so it's like it's all very fresh in me yeah um, I think it. Work, I don't think it's built to as neatly as the other endings, um, but it does work because it's like it knows how to. It knows what to do to get to me. But even as I'm watching, I'm like, there's still mm, there's still a better way to get here. But it, this is working. Yeah, I, I think this one most certainly that ending is just like you guys have seen the other movies. That's why you're emotionally attached to yep. this. More more right. so than the emotional resonance that this movie is bringing. But that doesn't really bother me because everybody's seen the other Toy Story movies, and this is Toy Story 4. Like, right. My, the same argument could be lobbed at the Fast and Furious movies. Any emotional moments on that are strictly because we've seen all these people in other movies. My one argument there would be uh, the movie is nine years after the previous movie much as that movie was 11 years after the previous one. Mm-hmm. I feel like in that case, you do kind of have to work with your audience a little bit. Um, Maybe. I, I think I would argue that that's why I find Toy Story 3 so, more, so much more effective is because you can feel the time difference, whereas this feels like, oh, this this event could have happened immediately after Toy Story 3. I mean, it, um, ha- it had to have happened, like... Yeah, I guess it, it At did most, like, a year it's like, around it's that. It's, like, two years later, Bonnie yeah. is starting it, school. Yeah, so which, I, I yeah. find that a little bit strange as a dynamic. Which, let's get, let's get into Forky. I absolutely loved Forky. The whole sequence of, of Woody going with Bonnie to the orientation and helping her out, to, and, and she, put in, mm-hmm. she puts together Forky, I was... The, the movie had me in its grasp. <laughs> was, um... I won't let you throw yourself away. Nominated for best Oscar song, whatever. Did it win? Yeah, best original song. It did not. Jeez, who did? Who? Who? <laughs> who shamed? Um, oh, it just happened. It just happened too. Okay, uh, it was best original song, 2020 edition. Because there were a bunch of songs nominated that were just one sentence over and over again. <laughs> um, this being one of them. It was okay. It. Seems uh, just just oh, I mean, it. Do do you want me to tell you? <laughs> no, please do. Please do. If I've pulled up the right awards, it was for Rocket Man for I'm gonna love me again. So, 
It was. For I'm Ryan. not okay, okay. Well, that's uh, yeah. It was Anger the credit song. Yeah, leveled. <laughs> but I will say, Ra- Randy Newman did win best song for Toy Story Three for sure. We Belong Together. So he has an Oscar for a Toy Story okay. song. Okay. It wasn't for I Will Go Sailing No More or You Got a Friend in Me, which is what it should be for. Or but I won't let you throw yourself away because that is which a is quite delightful good. song and montage and it's very good. Yes. Uh, hey, hey, let's not and let's like, not forget, like all of his other songs. Let's not forget the Woody's Roundup theme. Sure. Darn it. <laughs> Woody's Roundup. And like all of his other Toy Story songs is also about something else. In this case, suicide. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, really and truly, like that's not I'm not that's not a joke. Okay. Like this is that's partially what that song's about. Um, yeah, I uh, I thought Forky was really great. Tony Hale is a really really talented mm-hmm. performer who I always enjoy his work. I don't know what my favorite line reading of his was. One of them was when Woody was like, "Tell him to meet by the merry-go-round." What's a merry-go-round? It's a spinning ride with the lights and the castle. Oh, a carousel. <laughs> <laughs> and Woody goes, "Yeah." It's a- carousel yeah carousel <laughs> like i really like uh, when they just have that long conversation and it's kind of treated like a montage when they're just walking down the road and yeah. and woody's telling and his woody's life story him. which ultimately pays Carry off me. with forky telling gabby gabby woody's life sto- story yes mm-hmm. um but he's like wait so buzz thought he was real isn't that ju- wasn't wasn't that just the most <laughs> annoying thing to have to deal with <laughs> i'm like yeah <laughs> What did you guys think of in the end credits, mid all those scenes, when new Forky lady asks Forky, "How am I alive?" and he says, "I don't know," and that's the end. Yeah, no, I, I really I, like I that. I kind of well, I kind of like it. Yeah. Well, this Forky raises a whole slew of yes. questions in terms like this is like transcending our, to- our our question of buzz not realizing he's a toy but everyone else knows like- to be clear yeah to be yeah. clear forky raises so many more questions for a franchise that already refuses to offer answers yes <laughs> so yeah. which to its strength to its credit yes. like that's a good thing about these movies and and for me my argument is just fourth movie in i'm going along with it <laughs> Yeah, and theoretically the last one. I believe that's what they have said. It's it's a little lazy, but he's a good character, and I think it, it works well for both Woody and Bonnie and having that relationship and dynamic and emotional yeah. depth work. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, this is... Oh, what, yeah. uh, when I look at this movie as the closing of Woody's arc, it makes a lot more sense to me. And I told my mom after I watched it, I said, in my mind, you have to watch this movie thinking of it as the epilogue yes. to this story. It works so much better to me as an epilogue than as an ending. I think Toy Story 3 is the ending. Mm-hmm. But Toy Story 4 is the epilogue. And I I hope they don't do another one. And I was really resistant of them making even a third one. Like I, I just, I kept being like, why? You don't need to do more things. But really, especially now, I'm like, I don't want you to... I don't want you to make a Toy Story movie not about Woody. Yeah. But then if you made a Toy Story movie just Woody and Bo Peep and all their new friends, it's like, yeah, but what about but? Like, I don't, <laughs> don't. Like, now that, they're, now that they're separated, it's, we're good. Yeah. We're good. Um, I, I liked Bo Peep a lot in this. I liked the way they brought her back. Um, I didn't realize it was the same voice actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Annie Potts, for sure. And that's, I think, the biggest thing for me that helps with the fact that they do... Like redesign her and kind of introduce some more 
uh, nuance to their relationship and everything. At least that it's well, the same voice I, actor, so it's kind of like okay. The, <laughs> there's some as far as the here. redesign, I think she's wearing all the same stuff. Yes, from she is. but she's just repurposed it. Yeah. Well, the I'm talking for, specifically for, the for um, life on the range. Her face, she looks she, different. She does look quite different. Di- oh, quite different. Sure. That's that's one thing I, I yeah. noticed. Like some of the character designs have changed. Like I don't think Combat Carl in the first one is designed like the Combat Carls that we see in this. Probably not. No, but I, I I I look at that as a GI Joe surrogate. Yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of different GI Joe yeah. designs. So there's a lot of different comic Carl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and her, but I also with with Bo Peep, her, the animation was so different. Then they might not have been able to like fully yeah. design her. Yeah, it's just to me it it put me off at first. I think I got used to it. I, I wouldn't say it's like a problem with the movie, but to me it put me off because sure. it does sort of feel like they're. They're tapping into the the Elsa um, Anna character design, um, oh, Rapunzel a little yeah, bit too. Sure. They're kind of like trying to turn her into, oh, yeah, let's just make you know yeah, generic face, yeah. kind of cute girl. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, blonde hero. Yes, but I I really it like works. Just like how Bo has been living her life. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I, I think that's just a really cool idea that she just goes around helping toys like wherever she can, and she's got she's put together yeah. supplies. She's got this skunk car, <laughs> which is really yeah. neat. Um, I don't know, like this movie went by so fast for me in a way that the third one didn't. Like the third one was no, no, it's not bad. Like I gave it an A minus, not no. bad. But I, I, it did feel slow to me at points in a way that this one didn't. I, I was making a face because I think I feel the same way, but in opposite ways in terms of which that benefits. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like this is almost <laughs> too insubstantial. Um, but I, your your point is, is fair. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like I said, I, I think it is a Dark Knight Rises thing where it's like, yeah, the, the movie, like makes some some maybe missteps and maybe its focus is kind of in the wrong place at certain points but like that character arc of our protagonist is like for me it's so well defined and it has such a wonderful payoff at the end that i'm willing to forgive all the small stuff i would kind of argue that bar the uh gabby storyline i kind of feel like the first act or so is the strongest act of the movie for me at least um, because of the fact that it's the one that's most focused on Woody and Forky and that dynamic. Yeah. Um, whereas I think a lot of the, and I think this is also kind of why I got the feeling of, oh, it's kind of an epilogue, um, is that a lot of the middle section to me felt like pacing for time. <laughs> um, there's there's several montages and stuff in there where they're just, there's some gags that are getting kind of stretched out. And yeah, uh, like, like we said about the trying to get Forky twice, feels yeah, like we, there is... I, I do think we spend way too long in the antique store. Yeah. Like, they, we need to get a move on from that. And, and the carnival is such and, a... And it's, it's an interesting location for Toy Story. We've never been to that kind of location. Yeah. So use that more. Yeah. And I think Key and Peele, their whole thing about, we're going to attack them, that's like... They do that like four they times. Do. And it's like... This is funny, but see, that, that's it. one of those things. It, it's like a red letter media gag where they always run their jokes into the ground. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, but it was funny every <laughs> single time. Do well, it a thousand times. Like, I don't care. It's kind of, it's kind of like how I felt about uh, Star-Lord and Thor 
posturing at each other, I was like, I get, I get the joke. It's funny. Stop, stop, <laughs> right? Stop the joke. I get it. I've laughed. You, you're, you're good. Right. Um, Bar- Alex, your your uh, Dark Knight Rises reference um, raised a question. Tyler, would you have liked this movie more if after Gabby got her voice box repaired, she had said, "Well, Mister Lightyear." <laughs> So you've come back to die with your toys. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's literally Tom Hardy, Gabby, 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 Christina Hendricks slash Tom Hardy. I mean, there's a secret mission in an Uncharted base is a far better response to that than no, I came back to stop you. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a secret mission in Uncharted space. Oh, is it? Does he say space? What yeah, he it? says space. I said base. I think it's space. Yeah. Whatever. I, I I also really like the idea. Open of, the pod bay doors. <laughs> I also really like the idea. Of, so you came back to die with your city, and then Batman goes to infinity and beyond, and just like punches, punches him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> That'd have been good. Um. Also, uh, this movie. There's a point where one of the little girls playing with the carnival game that Bill Hader's not paying attention to, mm-hmm. has brown hair and pigtails, and she looks like Boo from Monsters, Inc., which is also there's a little girl in Toy Story 3 playing with a blue kitty who says, Boo! So I think they're both Boo. Yep. I think Boo can mul- multiplicity herself. Or they could ju- I mean... <laughs> or she grew up. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I think we have to assume the antique store is not that far away from yeah. Andy and Bonnie's hometown because Bo Peep ended up there. So, okay, hear me right, out. Right, right. Hear me out. This is my big no. Pixar conspiracy. You know how how like it, it, with with Stephen King's universe, it's like the the, the, the <laughs> giant cosmic turtle or whatever yeah. is like the ultimate good, and Pennywise is like the ultimate evil. That's what does. Is that how it's set up? More or less. It's probably more, but you know, just I, I, I wonder if if okay. So we're assuming Monsters Inc. and and Toy Story are connected. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if if the monsters and the toys are two sides of the same coin. Where the <laughs> monsters are, are like the evil, they they scare children, they freak them out, and the toys are meant there to are meant to comfort them. And like the monsters learn they have to make them laugh, though. Yeah, I was gonna say, what happens after Monster Inc.? Has has the universe been thrown out of balance? Uh, maybe maybe it's it's a sequel to Toy Story Four. Monster Inc. takes place after all those movies. I know none of this makes sense. I'm reaching, but I'm but reaching. Boo, Boo is before. I said but... I'm reaching. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, apparently I don't know if it's still if, it, if they cut it from the movie or it's in it but apparently Bonnie's mom is reading a book in the car that's called like debunking the theory of shared universes or something <laughs> okay that's that it was that's just, very it was, good. It was good. that it was like meant to be there as to tell the audience it's not just stop stop <laughs> cars isn't in the future They're, brave isn't a it's apocalyptic wasteland shared universes it's parallel universes come on <laughs> I kind of yes, wish of she was just read, she was reading a book and in the title is "Guys, stop! You're reaching." <laughs> um, yeah. I don't. I honestly don't have a whole lot more to say. Um, I yeah, I, 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 you're probably right, Tyler. The movie the movie is probably a bit more fluff than it it should be. It should probably be a, a little bit more focused on some of the other characters because. Like Woody is the main character, but we do have mm-hmm. other people here. Um, maybe yeah. focus a bit more on, on the drama and stuff over the jokes. Um, but I found what drama was like, there was really, really compelling, and I laughed at 
pretty much everything. I didn't have a problem with many of the jokes in this aside from basically Buzz. So, so what rating? What rating are you giving it? Uh, same thing I gave Toy Story three a minus. Okay. Um, I think Toy Story three is probably thematically stronger and probably overall plot wise, and like it, it has more to do with the characters and, and gets better use out of out of most of them. Um, but this one I found number one. I, I thought it was funnier. Number two, I just found Woody's arc very, very compelling. So, A-, minus, same grade. Britain, what you got? Tyler, do you know what you're doing? Oh, what I... Oh, boy. <laughs> you first. Um, okay. So, I I think that this movie is a notch of... Like, Finding Dory and Incredibles 2 are both movies to me. I, I like both of them. Mm-hmm. I don't find them to be necessary sequels. I think that they are both like, yeah, we did it. Yeah. And they made a good movie, but neither movie made me go, I, yes, I totally get why you did, as, whereas Toy Story 3 made me go, I totally see why you made this movie. You know, this is, this is good. You, this is I, I think Pixar in general has been in a real bind with the fact that they got two sequels in for Toy Story. And now they're like, we have right. a franchise with Toy Story. How do we do this with something else? But they've done all these like one-off amazing single movies. And now they're like, yeah. how do we, what? A, eh. Well, and, like, Incredibles is the one that most lends itself to being a franchise. Yeah. Um, Who would think? And I, I don't... No, Britain, and I haven't seen Cars. Monsters University. Cars was, was <laughs> That's the true. most logical That's true. That's Cars true, was the actually. one where they never got a single, like, amazing movie, and they just kept going. <laughs> they were like, I don't know. Yeah, we're just going to keep doing this. Yeah, I never... Three of them. I haven't seen Monsters University. I, I, and I yeah. feel like Toy Story 4 is better than those, but the fact that it follows up, Toy Story three, I think, hurts it. I don't know. I think it's it's an epilogue. It wraps up Woody's arc, but it doesn't wrap up the franchise yeah. the way that Toy Story three, I think, does. And if Toy Story three is if Toy Story one is about childhood, Toy Story two is about the cusp of young adulthood, and Toy Story three is about the cusp of adulthood. Toy Story four is, I guess, about when you're old. <laughs> I you know, yeah. and when you're like a senior citizen. Um. I mean, it's almost, it's I, it's almost, I don't think they do this quite enough, and I'm not sure, I think there's enough here to say this is probably at least part of their intention, um, but it's almost about parents letting their kids go, like, go off to yeah, be independent. Yeah, honestly. Um, I think that's the closest to that. Midlife life crises cycle. kind of thing. I'm, I'm also going to go A-, minus. yeah, that, that feels closer to me than B+. Plus. Even though I might, in a week, feel differently. Sure. I'll, I mean, let me err on the positive yeah. And, All right, Tyler, give it a C, and we can call this I'm, a day. <laughs> I, I am going to go B plus. I, okay. I can't quite talk myself sure. into A minus. Um, it's like right in the yeah. middle of those two for me. Yeah. I, I bounced a little bit between B and A minus and B plus, and I was just, I think that's where I'm settling. Uh, I, I like it quite a bit. I think it's a very entertaining movie. It's not. I won't strike it from the Toy Story canon, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it's quite on the level of the others. Maybe I'm I'm speaking too soon because I've only seen this movie twice and I've watched the other ones more sure. than that. Um, if I were to put one on just just to watch and like I'm feeling in the Toy Story mood, let me just throw yeah. one in. I'd probably choose this one. Sure, interesting. I might go for the second one. 
It's not my favorite, but I think the second one it most easily lends itself to like. Sure. <laughs> now, the age-old question then: What happened this... to the army men bucket? What happened to the army men bucket? There were only oh, three of them left. <laughs> before I get to the age-old question, I did have a bit of a bit of trivia um, because okay. we discussed in the at the end of the first movie, um, Woody, I believe, drops RC's remote. Right, you know, on yes. the, in the road, yes. and they they get RC back to the truck, but his remote's gone. Um, apparently, RC does show up in Toy Story two, and then in the flashback for Toy Story three. However, uh, he has a different color design. He does have a remote, but he has a different color design. Um, hmm. So I feel there's a very decent chance that he he they just threw him away. He just got replaced. <laughs> Oh my god! I feel, I feel like the the possibilities there. Um, in the flashback to this one, we don't we don't know for sure if uh, that RC is the same RC because if it's a replacement, the toys might have already come to terms with that, and they're just trying to save their new buddy. I, I'm just saying, I'm just That's... putting it all out there. Um, <laughs> oh, however, um, I did also want to say that while browsing, I th- it was I guess the Toy Story wiki or Pixar wiki or something. I did I did catch on this piece of trivia, which is RC is the only character in Toy Story Racer who is a car without a driver, semicolon, since he is his own driver. Um, I just, I appreciated that. No fate, no drive, but what we make for ourselves. That's, that's really good. I also somehow didn't know that game existed. I'm sure it was like a PC game in 2002. Yeah, I gotta play it now. Yeah, um, I've got that right on my shelf, right next to Chaos Island, The Lost World, <laughs> Jurassic Park, <laughs> and Star Wars Pod Racer. And Star Wars okay. Pod Racer. So, my actual age-old question: uh, Is this the best franchise we've reviewed? Yes, it is my favorite that we have done. Interesting. It is the closest to my heart. I think it's the most consistent. Now, granted, it is easier to be consistent over four movies than to be consistent over 29 movies or whatever yeah. MCU is. And I, we've reviewed some really good stuff on this franchise. This is my favorite. Yeah. Yes. So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out our contenders here. I would say our contenders would be Toy Story, Back to the Future, um, mm. Rocky, MCU, more for the... Uh, t- the whole is greater than the sum of the, the parts. achievement. The, yeah, the achievement rather than maybe the individual consistency. Um, can we can we say Lord of the Rings and just forget the Hobbit? I, movies we happened? could say Lord of the oh, Rings please. without the Hobbit movies. Uh, All in I, favor, I, say aye, aye. Well, I I think that's oh, kind of aye. what I'm getting that though is that I w- I'm talking about just the most like pure best franchise mm-hmm. because I think Lord of the Rings you do have to take into account the Hobbit movies just because that is like, I mean if you can't we can't just say. Uh, the first two Alien movies, or the first two Predator movies, not Predator, um, Terminator movies. <laughs> Predator's the worst franchise. Fair, I don't know what um, But, like, that, that's more my point, is in terms of consistency and, and how they've been treated by studios and how many movies have come out, I feel like those are our contenders. Um, Would you put Indiana Jones in there? No, think, it's, a, it's a bit all over the place. I think really that fourth okay. one hurts the the consistency. Even if we didn't like hate it, I don't remember what we gave mm. that movie. Um, but no. I don't know. I don't know which one of those I would I would go for. Um, I, I still mean, law of averages. It would be Toy Story. Yeah, 
Like for me, there's literally yeah, one if, if B we're level not, grade. The rest have been well, in the A range. But it is still that's four versus. Uh, what was the other thing to say? Four versus what? Like eight for Rocky. Yeah. Um. I think there's there's an argument to be made there just because it's it's it went longer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, average wise, nothing I think comes particularly close. So it's an interesting uh, yeah. thought experiment. If we're if we're having to count the Hobbit movies, then it's not right. that for me. If we're just talking about Lord of the Rings trilogy, yeah. then I've got a decision but that's, on my that's hands. That's different. It's a different. Exactly. Story. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think for me it's because I have only seen the first Rocky movie. I wasn't here for those mm-hmm. episodes and haven't seen any of the others. So, um, yeah, it's got to be Toy Story for this boy. I think my vote might still be Rocky, just because that's nineteen seventy six. Yes, yeah. no, yeah, nineteen seventy six to twenty. Whenever Creed two came out, twenty eighteen, like eighteen. Right? That sounds right. I think that is right. Wow. Um, so, like, I think that is. Uh, incredibly impressive, and it, I think it's very a, similar what, to this one. A in the fact that the titles are just hey, it's this one, but it's the second, or it's this one, but it's the third, as opposed to. I mean, they, yeah. there's Rocky Balboa. Balboa Could you imagine there. if Rocky Four was called Rocky Four: Rise of the Russian? <laughs> Rocky Four: The Quest for Peace. Oh, I mean, <laughs> uh, it, that's not an inaccurate title. Yeah, yeah. Um. He but does think, literally end the Cold War. True. I think they're very <laughs> similar approaches in that the creative teams behind them really don't worry too much about pumping them out unless they're like, hey, you know what? I think this would be a good thing to, a good story to tell about this. Sure. Um, so, yeah. Good times. Yeah, that is interesting to think about. Um, so, talking of franchises of consistency and purity... <laughs> What is our next assignment? What movie are we? What movie franchise are we doing next, boys? Um, we're going in the exact opposite direction of Toy Story, a fun, heartwarming, uh, a kid-oriented series of, of wonderful films, and we're doing Blade. <laughs> yeah, the first movie franchise requested by a fan. So I hope you're still listening. We're gonna do Blade. <laughs> I've never seen... Have you guys seen any of these movies? Nope. Yes. All of them? Okay. Which Have you seen all of them, Alex? Yeah, I own I own all of them. I have stuff. <laughs> it's okay. They're on DVD. You know, material so goods, Alex. Um, I haven't seen any of them. I know uh, my boy Guillermo del Toro made the second one, so that's exciting. Sure. But. And the third one is directed... Written and directed by Tyler's favorite, David S. Goyer. Sure. And I'm excited. Hey, hey, hey. Who made the first one? Steven Summers or something? Probably. Um, let me look that up real quick. I think it's the same guy who directed League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And then sure. he promptly quit <laughs> <favorite>. Hollywood. <laughs> it's like, ah, I've tried. <laughs> it was a good attempt. To become Steven a Norrington. Interesting. Okay, I don't know who that is. I'm trying to look up his filmography. Um, just... Well, that'll be interesting. Just for uh, a bit of bookkeeping, we will be adding Birds of Prey uh, in here so that we can maintain our quest for 200 episodes uh, and, and hit that mm-hmm. that Star Wars Rise of Skywalker real hard. 
uh, when we when we yes. do get there. So we're go- we're gonna mix it up a little. We're gonna go out of order of our catch up movies. Usually we try to hit those in release order. We are gonna do Birds of Prey before Rise of Skywalker. It's fine. I mean, I think Rise of Skywalker is a more like appropriate two hundred yes. than Birds of Prey, <laughs> which I like. I like Birds of Prey a lot, but that I think True. Rise of Skywalker is a different. It's the end of our two hundred episode saga before we begin a new <laughs> adventure. You know, guys. Correct. The the, the lineup. I. This is just how I'm thinking about it. the lineup of of Blade Trinity, Birds of Prey, and Rise of Skywalker worries me greatly. It's it's sort of <laughs> like um, if anybody's ever watched Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> it's sort of like different chefs trying to impress Gordon Ramsay, and Gordon Ramsay being like, "Get off that that station! You're doing trash. Have someone else take over." And they all try it, and they all fail. And diff- Birds of Prey, I actually like. A decent amount, but we'll, we'll talk about it. It's still part of the DCU. It's a whole thing. Um, yeah, it's okay. You can find Tyler. us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at hctsequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Um, and you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Just search. It's okay, boys. The Snyder Cut is coming. <laughs> um. Yeah, before we go, I I I, I do want to say we've now broken the seal on animated movies, so I'm sure we'll do. We have a couple of other animated franchises we'd like to get to in the in the future, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to doing those. Um, this is a very appropriate way to start uh, since it kind of began that that trend in a lot of ways. Um, I love these movies. I love Pixar so much, and rewatching the Toy Story movies has been really great, as it's also gotten me back to watching Pixar movies, which is. That's something I've really stopped doing, but haven't done in a while. And so I just want to say, really, just from the bottom of my heart, and I, all, every other part of my heart, if if anybody listening to this has any connection to Pixar, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, forever. Um, for just, you know, no when, when they are at the top of their game, nobody does it like Pixar. And that's from Roger Ebert, and from me. Like, I just love a great Pixar movie so much and and these movies have been so helpful to me throughout my life and especially right now so just thank you pixar thank you thank you thank you and i just wanted to to get that in before we before we sail off into our own adventure as we lost podcast of course be saying very similar things to the creators of shrek once we do that franchise cue the smash (laughs) mouth music i'm just so thankful for my swan as opposed to the smash mouth Something else? <laughs> Coda? Yeah. <laughs> the Smash Mouth cover of Gur Arg. The Smash Mouth Manifesto. Right, guys. Um, <laughs> and I'm Paul. Paul Star! <laughs> so, quickly, yeah. Stephen Norrington's filmography, he's directed four films, Death Machine, Blade, okay. The Last Minute, and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Then he quit Hollywood. <laughs> Sounds like he left his screenwriting till the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, I, I'm going to I'm gonna have to do some research on these other two movies. <laughs> Wowzers. Yep. I think I'm going to get whiplash over these next few episodes. Oh, it's going to be the wonderful. Movies we're doing. <laughs> it's going to be movies. 